Hello, and before you get started on this episode of Zap to the Past, we would just like to give a massive shout out to the following people. Andy Marsh, Cole Hutchinson, David Hearn, Sven Osa, 2000DC, Gary Heather, Roger McNally, Joshua Dove, Mark Fletcher, Etienne Vettingfeld, Niall Bullitt, Alexander Gosling, Tim TJ Walker, Phil Sowerby, Joshua K, Dominic Kendrick, Rune P, Steve Perrant, Nick James, Daniel Spreadbury, Peter Price, Richard Davey, Dennis Brakehus, AL82 Retro, Liam Carew, Dylan Darch, Trevor Planner, Alistair McMillan, Mark Schutz, Lee Sparkles, Dan Wales, Gary Wilson, Oscar Jacobson, Brian Howarth, and Rob Clayton. These people have backed our Patreon at the C64 tier, and the support they offer is just awesome. If you want to join them and get a mention in next month's shout-out, access to our Discord server, early access to ad-free episodes, along with any special releases we put out, along with anything else we can think of, then sign up by the 18th of the month at patreon.com forward slash zap to the past for little more than the price of a pint of beer. It helps us keep playing the games so you don't have to. Welcome to episode 108 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our second batch of games from issue 44 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were horrified by Hopper Copper, shot at as the Slayer, and chatted vaguely to aliens in Captain Blood. This week, we continue our look at the games in December 1988, along with what was also going on in the UK Albums Chart that month. Graham, it's time for the Cherry Brandy, so inform us what treats Auntie Ethel may have bought to fill our stockings with. Gather round, me buckos, and feast your ears on this week's chestful of video discs, which sadly are not compatible with our systems. We hop on our best wheel-enhanced plank board and powerfully thrust ourselves around and into some obstacles in Pro Skateboard Simulator, break all the known and unknown rules of soccer and head for a thin kickabout in the horrible Peter Beardsley's International Football. That's the game that's horrible, by the way, not the football player. And we also take a magical and gun-toting trip past some aquatic line-dancing sharks and go all the way to Battle Island. I once knew someone who had an impressive whole room full of video discs, widescreen limited editions and all sorts. Sadly, time passing by means they're just rubbish now. In addition to all that, we take to the skis and the slopes and swoop around some flags as, like the game quality in 1988, we career helplessly downhill in Pro Ski Simulator. We shoot down some enemy yo-yo planes in the Crapcom arcade version of 1943, pack our crampons, parka coats, ice ropes, ice picks, ice hammers and a good old bottle of rum for a pokey trip across a glacier in Final Assault before finally grasping our joysticks hard and blowing till our cheeks go red in the utterly weird Bubble Ghost. We're nearly at the end of the year, the penultimate episode of 1988 in fact, and the games go from crap to crapper. Ah well, we still have mistletoe and wine. 
she can sod off. Yeah, if Aunt Ethel's bought some of these for me, then I'm disowning her. I'm divorcing her. Um, I'm getting I'm afraid, rid. You no, know, she's going to choke <laughs> on a bit of pie. That's for sure. <laughs> Does, yeah, yeah. She's going to find a rattlesnake in her slippers <laughs> or a scorpion. She's going to find a horse's head in her bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the horse's body will be in the fridge. <laughs> Shoved, really tightly packed. That's going to take some packing. Yes, it is. But uh, with a good-sized fridge-freezer combination. Yeah, good chest freezer, maybe a chest freezer. Well, the, he- the head is a disproportionately large part of a horse's physique. <laughs> take the head off and you could probably fit it into a small car. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not a Fiat 500, though. But it says on the actual manual for that, will not fit a headless horse. So. <laughs> Certainly not one of those smart cars <laughs> where, no, where, there's, no, where no. there's nothing behind you but air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the outside. <laughs> That's it. There's only so much room for the, the hairdryers in those that power the engines. <laughs> I don't, would you, I've never driven in one of them, but I don't think I would actually feel safe. Um, yeah, I could barely fit in it when I, I didn't test drive it on purpose. I actually had to move one. I just turn around and there's just the open. It's just the outside. The one thing I'll say is they're, all, they're massively maneuverable. You can really get into the nooks and crannies. Then you ask yourself, why would I want to park there? You know, you don't feel safe in them. It's like driving in any super small car there. When you yeah. drive, pull in, go along on the side of an articulated lorry, you don't want to be smaller than the wheels of the lorry. <laughs> no, it's what we said back <laughs> years and years ago, back in the day, when we said about the uh, Sinclair C5. Yes. The same thing. Yes, exactly you, don't want to be, thing. you don't want to be hidden by a hubcap. No, you don't. Your blind spot needs to work in both <laughs> X and Y. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just in a spot that is in, in, invisible to all motorists. No yeah, good. it would be if, no you, if, you, if you're literally not as high as the vehicle and you're never going to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was in not. blind spot. Well, he was to the right here. Yeah, but he was too low. Too low. <laughs> he was too it? low. He's banging away. He's <laughs> <laughs> banging away. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, anyway, this is a, a bunch of games that we've got coming up. We've got seven and obviously the, the albums. Yes. I was hesitate, hesitate to call some of these traditional sense of game, but... Um, <laughs> They're, uh, they, they're programs. They're programs. They're things that run on a Commodore 64. Yes. Um, it always it pains me sort of thing when I put these lists together and I put do selections for each one because I don't know what they're going to be like. And uh, yeah, no. this was a, a bunch that, you know. It's a random I, collection, but there I we think, go. I think Satan saw me coming with this <laughs> lot. Anyway, should we get into them? We just get going. Yeah, let's get, get going. Power, power through this lot. Yes, deep breaths, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Let's Let's dive right in. Uh, and first up, Graham, you've got the pleasure of telling us all about Pro Skateboard Simulator. Now, if those three words in that sequence don't <laughs> make you want to do a shit immediately, <laughs> nothing will. There's nothing Pro Skateboard or Simulator about this. Nothing. All right. And then, you know, anyway, this $1.99. So it's a, it is a budget game. All right. It's one ninety nine. Cheapy. Mm-hmm. Cheapo. Codemasters, published by Codemasters, one of their simulator range of, it, of games. Who else? It, they've, co- they've copyrighted Simulator <laughs> exactly. at this point in time. They must have. Uh, it got 79% in uh, Zap. Quite effusive they were about this in their own little way, actually. Yeah. So what's that all about? Created by Gavin Rayburn, Rayburn, Rayburn. Rayburn. Fresh from Poltergeist, I guess, or one of them, was it? I honestly can't keep up with how many he's releasing. He's just like yeah. shitting I mean, them out once a, a week. It, it, He's a good, you know, competent programmer. Title screen was by Stephen Day, and the musician was also Rayburn, 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 Rayburn. Um, so, all good cast of characters there. So, professional skateboard simulator. Then, well, three guesses what you have to do in this. Um, so, skateboard around and that. 
Um, according to the blurb, it's a short blurb. I won't go to. There's, not, there's no story for this, obviously. The game is played over seven levels, each with two parts, a 3D skate park section and an overhead cross-country section. Well, there's going to be a lot of thoughts going into your head as I'm reading some of this, Eddie. The prevailing notion will be why, but you know, just hold on to, the, hold on to yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, on both parts of each level, your time remaining is indicated at the top left of the screen and the number of flags left to pick up slash skate between is shown on the top right. So mm-hmm. the two levels, there is also, by the way, a mysterious third mini game in here. So yeah, what that's is. all about, I'll, I'll, I don't even know where that fits in, but I did play it and I'll talk about that in a bit. But we'll, you know, we'll focus on the the main game. The pro skateboard simulator. Yeah. yeah, we'll focus on that bit for now. So you're up in the skate park, you're up against time. You must move lightning fast. <laughs> Again, those questions are going to start flying in at a rate of knots here. <laughs> to collect all the flags in the park before your timer runs out, don't skate onto the rough ground. That's just, just you know basic idea. You, you'll get a time penalty for leaving the tarmac. Tarmac. Mm. Sometimes you'll have to jump mm-hmm. over rough ground to get to other parts of the park. You won't want to do that. If you come off the course, no. you'll be given a pointer. Put this where you want. <laughs> When I, after playing this for a while, I could tell you exactly where I wanted to put it. But unfortunately, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't got uh, the uh, creator's address. Um, so put this where you want the skater to appear, then press fire to start skating again. Sounds all very simple, doesn't it? And then the cross-country event, um, and I could talk about the controls for this in a moment. In this sorry, in this part of each level, you have to skate cross-country to a finish post, just like skateboarders don't. Passing through pairs of flags, again, you are up against the clock. Be careful to avoid water, trees, and buildings. Just general advice for everyone, really. It is, yeah. yeah. Hit these and you slam in a big way. Slam. <laughs> big. Right, that's it. That's it. Seven levels, one in sort of isometric, one not, and that's how you do the game. You've got to go through those, and then in the midst of all that, there's some kind of weird mini game anyway. So clearly borrowing from 720 degrees to some extent, mm. we have another entry into the skateboard collect-em-up cannon, this time yeah. with the awkward-to-control Pro Skateboard Simulator. Mm-mm. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Um, the title screen is a simple layout, logo at the top, high score options, and your player sprite zipping back and forth. Fire stats the game. There are other options. You can press one to seven through seven to change them. Um, so you can change that like, how many players, lives, joysticks, the usual kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get into the game, the skate park area, sorry, the screen is split. The top two thirds are your game window where you will see the isometric brown slash black slopes and hills of the first skate park. In the top left, as I said before, is your timer with 90 seconds clocked up. Top right is your number of flags needed. These are on the game screen in a digital format slash sprite. So they're not like a font. They're like a little sprite. So they're over the top of the game window, which is nice. It's nice to do that. Mm -hmm. In the center is your skater. You control him with left and right to rotate uh, and up to push forwards with repeated clicks up, sort of speeding you up. Pull back to slow down or rotate when stood still. That sounds good. And I think fire button makes you jump, I think. Jump. Yes, yes, it does. The bottom third of the screen is the player one and two scores, the game logo, yet again, in case you were forget what you were doing, and the number of lives you have remaining indicated with brown helmets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm calling them that, okay? I'll go with that. They're brown helmets. <laughs> That's what they are. <laughs> helmet, yeah. of pure, helmet of purest brown. Dirty, dirty brown helmet. Um, anyway. You must try and control your skater around the park, aiming to pick up the flags. Around the park are bushes, mud, potholes, roughage, all sorts of things that will um, cause you to fall off your skateboard. When this happens, your skater will turn into an arrow for you to indicate where to reposition yourself, and then you're off again. As there are slopes, you need forward momentum to get up the hills, and if you don't have this, it will make your skater do an immediate 180, 
and send you back down the hill you were trying to get up. This is annoying. Mm -hmm. Indeed, controlling your skater in this game is a pain in the arse. Yeah. If by some miracle you collect the flags, you you are then transported to the next level, the cross-country event, (laughs) which is a top-down view instead of isometric. Here, the game now scrolls upwards, and you must manoeuvre your skater left and right to get between all the flags before you hit the finish line. Up speeds you up, down slows you down, and the controls are really odd here, as pressing left and right kind of lunges your skater around, which means you'll hit obstacles like trees and fences and things regularly. Mm-hmm. Do this, and you will get that mini crosses again to reset your position. Again, you only have a limited number of lives and a short amount of time. And if, again, by a miracle, you get past that, uh, you are once again at the skate park to do that, and the country park level changes and makes it even more difficult, with hills and slopes that make you crash even more by moving your players suddenly. So on the second level of the cross-country event, you get these like little hills and they've got slopes on them. If you go up the hill, it immediately tips you off the slope and you crash. So, so it's, it's like, it's borderline. By that point, you, you're getting quite angry, I, I would imagine, if you weren't already angry at the first bit. So with all those sort of hills and slopes, things making you crash and moving you suddenly, you have no time or the ability to correct your course in time to do anything. So you're just going to keep crashing. Anyway, there's seven levels of that and apparently a mini game, which looked to me like an impossible version of Lemmings with people walking onto platforms and you having to plug a gap to allow them safe passage. There are four gaps, two platforms, but only one plug, which sounds like a <laughs> telephone number of a <laughs> sex line I never want to be involved with. <laughs> four gaps, two platforms and a plug. <laughs> Make that what you will. <laughs> no one's got brown helmets. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, um, and you will quickly realize after you've gone through that, there's no way that can actually be done anyway. It's an it's an impossible thing. Yeah. The game graphics, <laughs> the graphics don't look terrible. They don't look terrible. There's a lot of green and brown speckling, though, going on. The isometric details look okay. For a C64 game of this type and budget, they look okay. The park is somewhat empty, but it does scroll competently. Indeed, the game engine as such, as such as it is, works. <laughs> yeah. Works okay. The same applies for the cross-country level. I didn't think it looked too bad, though it looks more like a BMX game than it does a skateboarder simulator, mm-hmm. uh, with your skater being really tiny. So the camera the camera for that view yeah. is several miles above the earth. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a helicopter view, isn't it? <laughs> it's a helicopter it's dr- view. It's drone it? view. Yeah. <laughs> drone yeah. view. Which means that the speed that your skateboarder must be going when you lunge to the right and left, you must accelerate from zero to about 160 mile an hour. He, he, must, have, he must have carbs. <laughs> That are, that are as big as his, you know, the biggest in the world. He's got ca- cars that can that can power power stations. Those things, they must be huge. It, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't actually look that bad, apart from obviously everything being quite minute. Um, but but again, I felt that at this point you're looking more like a BMX slash overhead motorbike type view from that high up, and it could switch the sprite out, and you've obviously got that really. Again, that one, like I said, it scrolls okay, though. There is a somewhat forgettable and repetitive soundtrack throughout. It's not amazing, but it exists in some kind of null space. I can't remember what it sounded like, but I know it was there. (laughs) (laughs) The main issue throughout this game is the picky and fiddly controls. Well, one of the many issues, but that's the main one. In the skate park, it feels too difficult to navigate your play around successfully, and everything feels like it's working against you. Everything. You crash and then you like crash, instantly crash, instantly crash, instantly crash. You try and turn, crash. You try and go 180, crash. You go up a hill back down again, crash. It's like just stop making me crash. I just want to just I just want to go around. It's really hard to navigate. The turning circle when you're moving is too big. So yeah. once you get momentum and start to try and turn, your turning circle for a skateboard, which I imagine you can just kick on the back wheels and spin on the spot. You don't have to go in a giant Titanic-sized circle <laughs> around the iceberg kind of thing. It's just it's just a bit naff all of that. So because that turning circle is too big and because you need momentum on those slopes, it just becomes a pain and you just end up repeatedly crashing and respawning and choosing with the arrow and crashing and choosing with the arrow and crashing. 
and you, you kind of will get caught up on scenery all the damn time in this game. I mean, there's no way around it. You know, you will do, and it's really annoying. Time penalties and everything else. The same thing applies in the cross country level. The lunging and the zooming and the swooping controls quickly annoy. And the level design is essentially a, pit, a pretty dull memory test, all said and done. So you get two bridges. You go at the wrong bridge, or you go on the one with the arrow and you fall off, and then you can't get back on that one. So you, it's just not very good. It's cheap. Uh, and I suppose there's some gaming to be had a little bit in here. If you can tolerate the controls, I couldn't. I just found it progressively more annoying, and I bounced off it pretty quickly. The review in Zap was somewhat over the top for this, in my opinion. I don't think this is anywhere near the 70s. This is 30s to 40s, maybe even less at best. It is not a very good skateboard simulation, nor is it a very fun game. Dreary is what I would brand this as. And I did not feel like I was a pro skateboarder, that I, <laughs> and nor had I been simulated in any way in that fashion. So it was a bloody mess, a miss. It was a big miss five for me. But I'm guessing you loved it because you do love your skateboards, don't you? I do love my skateboards, yeah. But, you know, Rayburn, Rayburn, he's back. Isometric <laughs> skateboarding. There's a bit of 720 and I think a bit of skate or die in this. Skate or die, that was the other one I couldn't think I th- of. Because it's, it's the first the first stage looks like 720 with its black blues and browns yeah. and blacks and stuff. And then the second stage, which is more colourful, reminded me of a bit more skate yeah, or die yeah. with its colours yeah, yeah. and stuff. So I think it's just a bit of both. But it's not as good as any of them. No, no, <laughs> Neither no, part it's is not. as good as any of them. There's certainly a pace to this, you know, it, but it feels like a budget game. The controls are... a I put a bit tricky to get used to, <laughs> just a bit, <laughs> just a bit, just a bit. But I, I did manage to make it to the second stage where suddenly up blasted me off like a rocket and everything, just yeah. any, any slight touch of the joystick just make me go like a, just like, Launch. you know, yeah. I was in like, what's, what's the fastest car in the world that went across the desert flats? So I was like that. Cause like you said, the, the, the distance you're seeing it from the speed I'm moving. Good Lord. You know, what was it? What was that yes. discovery to the discovery? Was it the, whatever Richard? What's his face? It's a really yeah, fast. It was guy like rocket, really fast. rocket car. Yeah, it? the rocket yeah. car across the desert flats. It's like it felt like that. It's weird. This game. It's a hybrid game. Obviously, two distinct sections, but neither of which are going to hold your interest for very long. I mean, both are pretty dull, like and ridiculously stupidly hard because of the controls. Yeah, there's a lot of options. It's well put together, as one expects now from Mister Rayburn. We've seen him get progressively better. He's probably peaked with Poltergeist, I think. But I, I think that's what I want. I want more shoot 'em ups from him. I want him to see that Poltergeist yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. And do that. Not this. Don't do this. Something tells me that Mr. Rayburn is n- is never been on a skateboard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just guessing. If he has, then he, I don't know. He's well, they're not famous pa- for their cross-country events, I don't think. No, and he's got very powerful calves, obviously. Um, <laughs> the little puzzle game that came with this... It was an interesting idea, but like you said, impossible to play because you they came on at the same time and you had to have platforms, <laughs> yeah. platforms in two points at the same point. This is not yeah. possible, you know, the physical, so a bit annoying, but I did I actually quite, I thought there's actually the germ of a decent little puzzler there. It's just not, it's just not, um, you know, thought about. It's obviously just a throwaway. I don't know, is it a loading, is it a loading game? I don't know. I, I don't know where, where or how it fits into the picture. You know, I don't know whether it's, version I don't know whether it was the loading option, game, but... maybe. Might be, might be. Um, but, you know, I quite like the little visuals on it, the little sleepwalkers and stuff like that. I preferred it to uh, Pink Panther, which that title. <laughs> it's not saying <laughs> which much, Which is saying it? much, yeah, Stink Panther. But, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's a really odd release, this. You're right, you're right, it's, it's, it's just below average, and it? it's not particularly very good. It's a bit boring and a bit, you know, the controls don't do it any favours. Just put me back on the track. <laughs> don't, make me, don't make me move a pointer, which I can't move up to the top where I might want to be because you arbitrarily tell me I can't move higher than what I am. Just move me back up. <laughs> Put me back up at the top yeah. of the slope. Because if you start me on another slope, I'm just straight into the side again. Because you yep. start me facing downwards. And when I say down, I mean down screen, not yep. angularly down, down screen. Yep. So I'm straight into the grass. That, that, annoying. Very annoying. And stupidly controlling the second bit. Yeah. There's yeah, nothing professional about this. 
No. Tony Hawks, this is not. <laughs> Tony Porks. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah, this is the no skateboard simulator. <laughs> there you go. That's what this is. Oh, there we go. Even two quid really not is. worth it. Let's move no. on. See if the next one's any better. I say it every week. I know. <laughs> it never is. But, you know, we didn't have a good first one this week because we're running out of titles this, this month. It's a very average to poor month. But surely, therefore, the law of averages say it's the next one must be better. This is Peter Beardsley's International Football. Full price, nine ninety five. All right. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Just bear with me. Peter Beardsley was a, you know, was a very important part of the England international team of the late 80s and Liverpool as well when he played for them. I imagine you know, he was. Very, very, very much. Very highly rated footballer. And I had a bit of an affinity for Peter Beardsley. We've mentioned before that I was fairly sporty as a teenager. We've mentioned it as we've, you know, in certain podcasts yes, and stuff. Yes, you were and, indeed. And, and football was my game of choice. Right, I loved playing football. I absolutely loved it. I was never going to be Ronaldo, but I was pretty decent at a local level back then. Playing for my school, local team, boys, and even Grimsby boys for a while. So, you know, I was all right. Yeah, At local teenage level, good. I was all right. I had a strike partner for most of these um, who scored a lot of goals, whilst I did not. I didn't score many of my goals, but I was all right. The reason for this is that I played deep whilst he played further up. So usually I would get the ball, play the pass through for him to run onto and score. So, yeah, he scored a lot. But without me, he wasn't going to score anywhere near as many, you know, fundamental exactly. part of that link up between the midfield and the front man. So I was always about the team winning over my own personal glory. And that was important to me, right? In that respect, that's why I felt you know, this affinity with Peter Beardsley is he always played second fiddle to Gary Lineker, or Ian Rush, I think, or John Aldridge. I can't remember which one he played with for Liverpool. Gary will mm. berate me for this, but I'm pretty sure it was Ian Rush. Maybe both of them at the time. who got it. So they all got the goals and the glory, but without Beardsley playing that role behind them, they're not going to get half the chances and goals that they did. All right. That's how this works. That's what Peter Beardsley was. So why am I telling you this? Because it's more interesting than anything about this nightmare of a football game. <laughs> You could tell me your shoe size and I'd be more impressed, <laughs> to be fair, right now. So, this was released by Grand Slam. There are no credits for this that I could find. It doesn't surprise me. You know, this no is one, one of them things like, that. I'm not putting my credit, I'm not putting my name to that. No. Obviously, someone made it, but they're keeping very tight-lipped. And interestingly, this was renamed as Eurostar Soccer 88 in Germany and released by Areola Soft. So, why? Why? That. I don't know. It was So, you know, people thought it was good enough to release in Germany. You're like, have this. No, thanks. Nine. When it loads, the oral horror is the first thing to hit you as a cacophony of football tunes assault your ears. With here we go, here we go, here we go, be the first, and on from there. It's awful. It uses that tone that the Sid has that is like nails on a blackboard after a while. It's that really horrible <laughs> early really taste. One. It's like, I ah, awful. We've got some options, but none of them allow a quick game. There's no option in this just to play a quick friendly. Just a quick kickabout. None. Stupid. In, instead, we can select the team for player one or player two. We can set the length of the match. Player one or two player league. Who wants to do this? Who wants to play it two player league? No one. Change the teams Nobody. in the group or show the status of nothing. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's going to show the status of the group. Maybe the updates. Nah. Just shows you which team you both are and the length of time for each match. I've already sorted them. I've already done that. I know who's who. I don't need a, a separate menu option to tell me that. <laughs> Starting a group is the only way to play. So doing this gets us into round one, which is not how groups work. <laughs> it's like, that's not right. That round, no, it's just not. You have rounds in a cup, not a group. Oh, dear, so that annoyed mate. me. Then the game starts. The music morphed into I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles and my ears started to bleed. At this point now, I'm thinking, you know, okay, 
the football could be all right. Okay, the sprites are blocky. They're not terrible. They're, they're okay. The crowd is blurry. Does its job, I guess. You know, it's not too bad. There are some adverts for the games from Grand Slam that are okay. They're kind of a high res and they're all right. Um, pressing fire boots the ball forward and the whole thing falls apart. You can't pass as the players are all headless chickens. Control switches from player to player seemingly at random. You can't pass diagonally as always go out for a throw-in, which for some reason it feels the need to pop up an interstitial card to tell you that it's a throw-in or a corner or anything. <laughs> Why? Does, yeah. I've seen it go off. I know it's a throw-in. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway... Anyone that plays football knows it's a throw-in. I don't need to be told. The goal is beyond useless. Scoring is just a matter of walking the ball into the net. The goalie, you just walk the ball through the goalie. I put my goalie in front of their player, and he just went, you don't exist. Physics, no. (laughs) Oh, this is ridiculous. This is crap. The animation is basic on the players. They kind of have this sort of jerky, sort of rolly, shuddery shoulder motion, just like this. It's really weird. It's just awful. And although the, the scrolling is smooth, I'll give it that, the bounce of the ball seems to obey no known physics of this world. I don't know. It seems <laughs> dynamic diagonals go for miles. Forward passes just like, I'm so weak. <laughs> Awful. This is genuinely shit. Coming so soon after both Emblem Hughes' international soccer and that superstar soccer game, this feels egregiously bad. Peter Beardsley deserved better than this horror of a game. He really did. Shite. I'll say no more. <laughs> I like football. Not like this. Not no, like this. Not like that. How did you feel about it, Graham? <laughs> well, do you know what? I mean, I, I okay, no, I've made no secret of it. The, the football games, they're never my thing. But, you know, this isn't a football game, is it really? I mean, this, I mean, even street sports soccer, even though it was vacuous and empty, you could still kick the ball about and pass to each other and that. Yeah, yeah. In this, it was just, <laughs> it's just, when, as soon as you got the ball, run, run. It was like Forrest Gump's bloody football game. <laughs> You got run, run, Forrest, run! So just running across, and he literally just ran into the goal. Yes, like you said, he just you know, the keeper, what keeper, just run, run into the goal. Um, yeah, I could not trying to get the ball off their player was ridiculous because I'm not sure if I'm slower or he's faster, but it just didn't work. No, you can only ta- you can only tackle them, but you can get the ball running off them, but they soon get the ball back, and it just it's just rubbish. The players are all kind of blocky, but thin, thin blocky. They're thucky. <laughs> Not, we haven't seen th- we haven't seen thocky players in a the game. They're blin. It's very strange. Yeah, they're blin. They're all blin. Blin, blin all... thocky. <laughs> and so uh, the only thing I can imagine that Peter Beardsley's ever done is probably throw up when he saw this and thought that that I mean, you, it, this is the game that conjures up mini sick in your mouth. There's yeah. nothing footballing about it. It was awful. The music horrible. Graphics crap. Controls rubbish. It's just nearly impossible to neither keep the ball, nor, nor do you really want to anyway. <laughs> the shooting makes no... Not that you can shoot, really, but kicking the ball makes no sense. I've kicked a football, I'm, admittedly not brilliantly, but I'm pretty sure I could kick it you know, a similar distance in any direction. <laughs> For some reason in this game, you know, if I'm kicking it on the X-axis, I, can't, I don't seem to be able to kick it very well. Nope. But as soon as I, you know, as soon as I come off that, that's it, I can kick it for miles, but never to anybody. Because no. the players are just like wandering around. Now, I've played football games with, you know, the kind, the kind of people that wander around in a football game like that are people like me when I was at school. <laughs> you didn't really know what they were doing and we didn't really want to be involved. So maybe this is a simulation of people <laughs> who didn't really like football but got picked last in the teams and were put just in stupid positions that they didn't know what they were doing anyway. Maybe it's that. But maybe. Peter Beardsley wouldn't sign up for that. Rubbish. £10, though. Oh, come yeah, on. Yeah, £10 for this. This takes me back to that bloody Arct- Arctic Soccer World Cup <laughs> US yep. Gold one, that nonsense crap. This is as bad as that. Really bad. <laughs> 10 Ten quid. Sorry, no, just no. You, you, if you, if this was sat next to Emily Hughes, God forbid you make the wrong decision there. I mean, it's a bit of Hobson's choice, isn't it? But yeah, some poor yeah. kids got stuck with this because uh, 
They probably like Peter Beardsley and, and you know, people didn't know, did their birthday presents and grandmas and stuff. Oh, you like Peter Beardsley? Yes, this football game. Thanks, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for I mean, that. We had that Gary Lineker one, didn't we, that won too bad? Because yeah. it was that yeah. remake of that American one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a this American is... one. It's like, once again, Peter Beardsley is behind Gary Lineker once again. He's like got the short end of the stick once again. <laughs> Never gets the glory, he gets the shit. I think this is the worst football game I think I've ever played. Um, uh, certainly on the C64, I think. I can't think of a worse one. I, th- I mean, I th- that's, that's got a name brand, as it were. As, yeah, as, I mean, that World Cup Carnival was pretty bad. And uh, I know we haven't played. We did look at it with that original match day game. Yeah, none, I suppose none of those were great. But no, I'd even play that that five aside one we played. Although that thingy one, remember five aside <laughs> soccer for the early early yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. One, great. But even that, I think, was better than this. Yeah, well, it functioned perhaps a bit better than, as a football game. This is no more a football game than any other. You know, no. it's, it's it it has what looks like football going on, but I'm pretty sure that those those. <laughs> Those poor blocky, well, they're not blocky, are those sucky players in that game there? <laughs> and the <laughs> those, thing is, so it, 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 it's £10 at the arse end of 1988. We can yeah, kind of forgive money, those early ones because of 1985, but right. the quality of software has, and like you said, we've just seen Emily Hughes and Gus Gutz gone. 11 aside, really good football. There you go. Yeah, no, it breaks <sighs> all the rules, this one, and I don't even know what they are. So um, rubbish, absolute <laughs> yeah. rubbish. Absolute garbage. Let's move along. No more Peter Beardsley for you. Um, and that's a good thing. We've got one more game left. Let's get to it. And Graham, well, things can things can only get better. Maybe it's Battle Island. <laughs> Let's take a trip to Battle Island. <laughs> Nine pounds and ninety-five pence of your Earth money. This, um, but it only achieved forty-one percent. Mm. Um, this is from Novagen. So this is the, from, the, from the people people what made mercenary. And then Gary Walton, coded by Gary Walton and Paul, and Paul Wokes. Um, well, it's re- based on routines by Paul Wokes, isn't it? <laughs> it's one of the weirdest credits I've ever seen. Does it mean dance? Know, what does that mean? Dance? <laughs> dance routines, yeah. He, did. he could do some funky dance moves and it's like, oh, that's brilliant. I can convert them into some code. <laughs> so one of us, like, Jay, binary each, dancing. Each hand, yeah, each hand up is a binary zero or one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, Paul, you're the master of the binary dance. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought your dance could have been converted into Battle Island? <laughs> anyway, uh, the music here is by Mark Cooksey as well. It is. Um, this wins the award for the uh, crappiest tape cover we've seen in a while as well. I'm pretty sure that is an action man on the front of that in in one of the action man suits. I thought but, it was a uh, cut out of a shot from some guy in um, the beginning of Andromeda Strain. He's got the same outfit. And look at that man's buttocks. It probably is that. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Battle Island. So the background then. Battle Island. This is off their instructions. Battle Island is a remote mid-Pacific volcanic stronghold. A central moated enclave houses a neutron beam weapons base now near to completion. So not working yet. Nope. Okay. Um, so all that guff means is, you know, they haven't built it yet. Learning of this threat to their tenuous peace, Earth's four superpowers... Okay. Sent in a joint force to take Battle Island. Satellite pictures detailed the massive fortifications in place, but did not show the ingenious electronic weaponry deployed in support of the island's committed defenders. Then it's not very good reconnaissance, is it? The attack force was decimated. It... (laughs) Its remnants are now held hostage in four compounds around the island. An agonising decision is to be taken. Agonise. So I want to see some agonising going on, please, Adrian. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, we need some <laughs> barbarian-style agonising. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, oh, the agony. <laughs> we Attack lost from the air. Island. Oh. <laughs> Attack from the air will eliminate the threat, but cost the lives of the hostages and may well trigger a devastating nuclear explosion okay. of the beam weapons base. Is there another way? So no. the briefing then. Um, your objective is to storm the island's central enclave and destroy the base structure, which is kind of, that's not a, other way that was the way you were trying that's not another way is there another way we could do this now stick to the first plan all right what about that new risk of nuclear explosion bah anyway on your way release the hostages i love that sentence <laughs> anyway release the hostages will you um you have a map prepared from satellite pictures locations where eight key components have been abandoned are detailed possession of these is essential to establish bailey bridge a cr- Bailey Bridge access to the central enclave. What's Bailey Bridge access, anyway? Useful equipment and additional supplies are scattered throughout the island. Extra weaponry can be captured from the island's defenders. You'll need to plan your route, as there's little opportunity for contemplation once the action starts. Get ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds ace. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we play that game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is another commando-alike. Um, complete with sort of, sound as... Sort of sounding like commando-y sort of sound, Aldi brand version. It's sort of, it's it's like they've tried, they've tried to sort of inhibit some of the commando stylings here. It's a really odd thing, really odd thing. The whole thing is odd here. Yeah. The title screen, see some bitty, badly drawn jungle trees with your half-assed commando-like sprites and enemies running about. Not great. Mm. Um, Start the game and after a stirring, if abrupt, piece of music, dun 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 End. End. End of line. Yeah, it didn't actually put the message fully across. This says, "Just get ready, no. player." And they haven't sent get it, ready. so I reckon it's supposed to say player one. Yeah. But then they either took out two player modes, so we have to get rid of that bit. Yeah. It just I need ends. to censor it. No time. I can't dance that routine. No time. Yeah, there's not enough binary dancing there. So once you do that, you're off. You start to start with. You must navigate a dinghy through some shark slash fish infested waters for no reason whatsoever. Whatever they are. Whatever they whales. I thought they were killer whales. It's just the way they go backwards and forwards. I don't know what they are. Um, it's like dolphin. Yeah, I know. And why they line up, I don't know. It's unusual. It's unusual behaviour for fish, that. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you program to a dance routine. Those fish are doing the routine. I, I felt like I interrupted them during their line dance, during the aquatic line dance of the uh, sharks. Like, move your dinghy through and be quick about it. We've got the line dance to do here. Taught by Billy Ray Sea Lion. <laughs> well, they said, you know, you said it was based on dance routines. Yeah, exactly. The sharks are just next things. That's why they're there. Anyway, so once you've done that, which you will die lots trying that because it's really annoying, but once you get through it, from now on, it's wide map commando. <laughs> oh, so wide. <laughs> the paste is fast, but so wide. Everything's wide. Um, you scroll up and left and right on this huge map, shooting at the enemies that pop up and run and, sh- run and shoot at you. There are fences, ditches, and stuff blocking your way, so you must navigate around looking for routes to the base, etc. The screen is split into the upper chunk, which is the large scrolling game area. Below that, you have a mini UI with your score and shield count on the left, a micro mini map, which is of no use, really, None. on the area in the middle. And to the right is your remaining numbers of lives, I guess. Um, it looked like um, a renegade puzzle piece from Impossible Mission. It did. It did. Yeah, it's really stupid. Does, I mean, it, it even scrolls as well, which is like, it's, it's tiny scrolling. Yeah, but it's no good. No use. It's like, it's like they've put the map on a sprite, on a high-res sprite. It's that useful, which is probably what they've done. Uh, and then, of course, at the bottom, you've also got the your players have energy and you've got remaining grenades as well. Um, control is joystick to move, fire to shoot, and space bar for grenades, which here are like smart bombs. That's not how grenades work. <laughs> we seem to be saying that a lot. That's not how but it works. Not. That's not how groups work in football. <laughs> it's not how grenades work. If you throw a grenade 
It doesn't kill everyone on their screen except you, generally. It doesn't do that. If they could do that, that would be really handy, I suppose, in war. It would be very um, handy. And if that was, and if a weapon is that powerful and that useful to you, why wouldn't you just go uh, go on board with a boat full of them? Just lob yeah. them out. But no, so most of this is shooting and doing that. There's mini upgrades as well. And I say mini, they are tiny. Because you'll sort of see this shiny thing. What's that? Oh, it's an upgrade of sorts. Not that they do anything, but yeah, I found machine guns. Sh- sh- I, no, not for me. They didn't. I thought, did they give you some shield back? I think I got the shield, but the, the boots. I'm not sure what they were for. Knives. Couldn't find my way to those. And the machine gun I picked up, and it, it gave me more machine gun, which I've already got. <laughs> which I've already got. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, thanks for oh, that. Thanks, thanks, I've already got an unending machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Have two machine guns. I've only got <laughs> only got space for one. Anyway, so, uh, so you can collect them. It's not exactly sure what you collect them for, but you can. And that's it, really. You run around, shoot stuff, and try and navigate the massive map. This map, by the way, is uh, 350 full screens. I know it 350. Is. That's massive. It's a big old map, that. And if you actually wait and when you start the game and don't play it immediately, you get like a mini version of the game, like a demo mode. It takes you on a little tour of the map. I know. And there's all sorts of stuff going on in there. There's like greenhouses. There was solar panels. There was the guy sat having a, a you know a poo in a shed and oh. <laughs> This was endless. It's like sitting on Imagine a house. Um, it's like sitting on a topless bus. <laughs> going around yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever do that, by the way. It's really <laughs> depressing. So uh, the graphics are generally now. I'm I'm trying to be not kind, kind, but they are okay in the simple in the simple word of okay. So the the sprites are kind of and the and you are kind of the same thing. They're very the micro bitty commando clone sprites. They look a bit like commando sprites if Aldi had drawn them or Lidl. But, you know, that's what they are. The background is mostly brown, but it's broken up with trees, fences, water ditches and bridges, some other hazards. A bit like Who Dares Wins 2 kind of scenery. You know what we yeah. said last time about about that game, um, Purple Heart, where they just, when they build bases in these commando type games, they always build them the same way. Fence, few fences and just mud huts. Periodically, you know, they ditches and mud huts and micro bridges and things like that. And they always dig in, they always dig trenches. It's like, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, they've obviously watched a lot of films when they make these anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what the environment's like. And it is massive. I mean, it scrolls around for, age, for ages. In fact, boringly so. You know, yes. this, 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 yes. So wandering around wandering around massive levels on foot isn't very exciting when you're doing the same thing a lot. Yep. Um, and the game is also very difficult as well. Even with it sort of continues, it's actually quite hard because you die a lot. I mean, it's not like you don't because the enemies, by the way, the logic for the enemies is that there is no logic. They just run around like crazy headless chickens and and that's that's difficult to contend with. They're like the random. If you imagine, if you're watching the film Rambo and then when he attacked the base, they just all <laughs> ran around in different directions and just <laughs> shot in every direction. You know, how do you contend with that? You know, you're used to them trying to flank you and trying to hide yeah. and negotiate <laughs> trenches. Not in this game, they don't. They just pop up all over the bloody place. <laughs> Just running around. <laughs> oh, God, where did you come from? Anyway, uh, 10 quid. This is not winning any value for money awards. <laughs> it's not no. dissimilar in a weird way to Purple Heart, I guess. Although Purple Heart was cheaper, I think. Um, Maybe, And it yeah. follows a similar, and I'm, I'm being kind here, but I mean, when I say it follows a similar logic to Fernandez Must Die, I mean that it's a large map. That's the yeah. only comparison. I've Purple Heart was the same price. Oh, it's, so it's all full price. Well, yeah. Fernandez Must Die has a large map. Purple Heart has the kind of same sort of pointless endeavor to it. But this is nowhere near as good as either of those. This should be budget. This is, this has got, I should be a budget game written all over it. This is nowhere this should be full price. It's offering absolutely nothing new. It's really at odds with every other game of this type because it's basically the same. It's mostly brown and yellow. So it's yet another mostly brown and yellow commando clone, which we can add to the list. Fun, maybe. For 10 quid, I don't reckon so though. Nah. 
This, if this was if this was a budget game, it might have been possible, but it ain't, is it? So no, and it has got a crap cover as well, and it's obviously a double tape as well. So not only just rubbish. I don't care how many how good your dance routines are, Paul Wokes. You needed to do a, you needed to do a bit more dancing. Do some coding. This game, Stop dancing get some and coding, get some coding in there. Done. Yeah, get some bloody coding done, will you? What did you think? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange. It's like Fisher Price Commando Rambo, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit. That's what it felt like to me. Like Fisher, it's very, you know, Fisher Price Commando Rambo. Everything. Just yeah, like yeah. any kind of umph. There's any kind of umph to really make it enjoyable. Like you play Commando and Rambo, and I don't even. I mean, Who Dares Wins is quiet, but Who Dares Wins has kind of a sort of quiet fun to it. This is just yeah. dull, boring. Yeah. Commando and Rambo have their, mu- have their mu- those great music scores to lift them up. It says none yeah. of that. The opening is odd. You row your boat ashore. And and then wander around a mythically large landscape, shooting enemies and trying to figure out yeah. where to go through the narrow gaps and the like. I just got stuck all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Getting stuck. Find my way around. Stuck, stuck. The graphics are a weird mix of standard standard perspective sprites and isometric backdrops. That don't work. <laughs> That's not good. They don't work well together. No. No. The the they're like that um that Rogue Trooper game we played a little bit. Yes, um, actually, yeah, Except yeah. that kept the sprites in isometric as well. This just has commando, so flat sprites on an isometric yeah. background, going yeah. up, down, left, and right, normal thing. But you, the background is off to the side, forty-five degrees. Like, who built this? Why is everything <laughs> up forty-five degrees? <laughs> Was he dancing <laughs> on a slope? I don't know why. Who, who, it's like it's <laughs> when they built this sort of thing, they've had the map. It's what you know. The architect was leaning. Like, Maybe he's stupid. got uh, one eye foot closer to the screen. He was like, ooh, and he's. <laughs> <laughs> just I don't get it. The work sounds and music are just a bit average. Just like they're like that first game. They just I knew they were there. They were in the void. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it may be technically clever with some nice dance routines and all sitting memory. But wandering about trying to find a gate or a way onward got pretty dull pretty quickly. I mean, these games rely on fast action. This has none of that. The action in this is really slow and boring. <laughs> no. And like you said, grenades, grenade smart bombs. No, don't know. That's not how they work. That's not. How Give me Fernandez work. must die any day of the week. Way better. It's the best one I've seen. I think it's strange that we've had three commando style variants recently. There. I wonder what was in the water back then. What was what brought this around? Like what brought the commando variant back? Yeah, was the movies or something? Maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Something because I mean, commando was what eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, it's old. Yeah. So Rambo is aged. I mean, Rambo three's out and about at this point, isn't it? So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that's that. what it is. I don't know. But Battle Island, yeah, that cover was stupid. It's just big, too big. But it's like we've said this about loads of other games. What was that game we played ages ago with two thousand boring similar screens? It's like great, well done, <laughs> yeah. well done. It's a nice technical great. exercise, but your game is boring. Paul Wokes did Encounter. Encounter's ace. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a bit surprising, really. I mean, and when it says three hundred and fifty screens, let's not be too kind. I mean, this is. This is 350 different positions of offence, really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like looking at the British landscape. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's literally it's, that. It's, it's, look at all that different, look at all that land. Yeah, but it's just massive fields and some fences. Yeah, but... It's the oof. Yorkshire Dales. Oh, it's the pro Yorkshire Dales simulator. <laughs> yeah, but look at it. Battle look Island. At it. Yeah, look, at, look at all that sky. And, and doesn't Battle Island as well, doesn't it sound like a toy you would buy. Doesn't it sound like one of those things you would buy for like action force? Yes, it does or, a bit. That's yeah. what I'm on about the Fisher Price stuff. It feels like one of those add-ons. Buy the Battle Island for your action yeah. force figures. It's complete with, name, complete with launching missiles and dockable boat. Well, they could have called it Blood Island or you know, any one of the things that they've you know sort of semi-referenced in there. Now, what they could they have call called it, it the, boring know. isometric commando clone, which would have been more ice, <laughs> which would have been more closer to the mark. Bick. <laughs> <laughs> Bick. <laughs> Bico. No, Bick, yeah, B-I-C-C. Boring, isometric. Yeah, it's it's, Ram, it's made by sort of Rambaldi. 
It's Rambaldi. Commandaldi. <laughs> Camaldi. Camaldi. That's what this is. Oh, it's not very good. It's probably, yeah. though, unfortunately, it's still probably the best one we played this part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah, actually, which is depressing, isn't it? Which but, is yeah. very depressing. That's it. That's it. That's your three for this first part. We can only apologise. We hope we've been entertaining because the freaking games haven't been. No, um, So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in a little bit. We've got uh, the albums to go through sort of thing. We're joined once again by um, Mr. Brownsource Wilson himself. So hopefully you will enjoy what's coming up. See you in a bit. Now, if I could just make it out past Dizzo don't think the cops will ever discover this contraband I'm carrying. I'm going to be rich! Wait, oh no, it's a police viper! Right, Cobra Mark Three pilot, let's be having you. What's in the cargo hold then? Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing of interest, sir. Just some textiles and willow pattern plates from Lave. Really? I see some books and audiobooks back there. David Hearn's Case of the Notorious Roboticist, Starfarers and Thanians in Space... And a copy of Back in Time for a Donut. But I was hungry. And you've got them in audiobook format and paperback. You know books are illegal in this system. Mm. No copy of Escape from the Commodore 64, though. Well, well, I could grab it next time and maybe give it to you for your trouble. Mm. On your way, then. Move along and watch out for Dargoids. That was a close one. For more details on cargo just like mine, hyperjump over to davidhernwriter.com. Now, just a dock at that space station without a docking computer. And we're back. We're back with the albums uh, from December 1988. Just like last week, we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Gary Wilson, how are you doing? How's your week been? Uh, I'm very fine, thank you. Uh, much better this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> That's good. That's, That's good. good. Uh, let's not hope. Let's hope you're not one of your own predictions. Right? He's dead. <laughs> this is going to be really weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Gary has joined us again. We've got to go through the albums. There are, uh, is not many. There are not many of them. <laughs> so you know, it is what it is. Uh, but because um, no. uh, yeah, but let's get into it. I suppose number one. Uh, for the first two weeks of the month, uh, now that's what I call music thirteen. I, I, there's a lot of good songs on this one. I mean, it, it, it's interesting that this now comp. I think you said in the podcast before. Now compilations have taken over the world, really, haven't they? They've, yep. they've yes. just you know you don't need to buy the singles anymore. Just wait for the now album to come out. But interestingly enough, I think a lot of the um, the versions on now they were all edited to get so many singles on one side of an LP. I funny if I was reading about it the other day, yes, they were. A lot yeah. a lot of them were cut down. Yeah, 50, they were. Um, was, was that on the album version, I presume, yeah? The, was it yeah. double yeah. albums? Yeah, so the, uh, yeah. Even, on the, uh, even on the CDs nowadays, they're still edited down. You're not exactly. getting... Fa- famously, if you find, the, find whichever Now album's got the version of Under Pressure by Queen on it, um, you'll notice that it's missing a great chunk of the song. Well, that's, yeah. I know, it, that's where I first noticed there was a difference. Yeah, mm. they're, they're, they they chop and change them to force fit them onto the side. And it, it's not a bad one. This one, 13, it's got a load of dance music on. It's got Salt and Pepper. It's got D-Mob, the Beatmaster. No, it's only got Salt. There's no Pepper. And it's got yes. Shaking But No Stevens. <laughs> well, yeah, Remember exactly. They've they, 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 they cut them out. down. Sorry, Pepper. Exactly. Gone. You, you're out. Girl you, Girl you Know by Millie Vanilli. Um, it's just Millie. 
<laughs> no, it's just a girl you know. It's not. It's true. Just girl you know. Duran Duran um, became Duran. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's only so much room on this album, so we couldn't have half of you. <laughs> they yeah, got the twist by that. Chubby Checker. They just couldn't fit the fat boys in. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's a, it's not a bad compilation, I guess, at the time. You, you put it on the... Killed the, the charts, though. It, yeah, well... Well, it killed them for the first two weeks because after the first two weeks, we were back to uh, the man himself for the last two weeks of, uh, you know, this this man owned Christmas this year because it's Cliff Richard's private collection is number one for the last two weeks. I kind of live in charity shops looking for music and I must see this private collection album literally every time I go into a charity shop. And it Do you ever is- buy it? No. I mean, you could you could be doing us all a favour, buy it so nobody else can. Well, I'd, I'd be spending 50p every other day. I can't yeah, that's that. fine. That's okay. No, that's, you're doing your, your part for society. Yeah, exactly. And then make them into some kind of private collection resistance suit <laughs> and wear it with pride. <laughs> it's a crap album. It's, it's, it's basically a, a, a it's private a collection yeah. of songs that have, from uh, 79 to 88. And I, when I looked at the track list, and I think I knew two songs. I couldn't tell you yeah. what it was. We they don't be... talk anymore. Yeah. And there's another one, a mistletoe wines on it, isn't it? Yeah, You'd know why you know it. wired for sound. No, don't know it. Yeah, you do. I know it for sound. You would know wired oh, for sound. Oh yeah, I know it now. You sung it so well. Thanks. <laughs> I'm still you on the wires, but yeah. Just, uh, suddenly with Olivia Newton John, no. Slow Rivers with Elton John. No, he's only singing <laughs> with Johns. <laughs> yeah, please don't fall Mr. in love with, with Jilty John. <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't fall in love with Bobby Johns. That's um, not on there, is it? <laughs> The song is, no. but I don't know who Bobby Johns is. <laughs> I might have just made him up or her. Who knows? <laughs> no, <it is laughs> we don't know. It's his, private coll- it's his private collection of Johns. Yes. That's what it is. That's a bit rude, isn't it? A John is something else. It's, it's the toilet. No, it's just it's just a name. No, John just is a... your mind is a filthy, no, perverted... No, John is a, is a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, but that, I wasn't that, referring that to that, name, Gary. That's there not, is... That wasn't meant that way. No, it's just deviant. people with the name John. Like I just said, two of them. Yes, <laughs> Olivia and Elton and Bobby. Don't get Bobby. It's not for us. This album. Sorry, we don't mention his private collection. It always it's, leads to trouble. It's not for us. It's for yeah, octog- not- octogenarians who want him and watch his tennis court madness sing songs repeatedly every other week. It's for Do you them, think not for us. When you become an octogenarian, should you last that long, um, you'll be listening to this? No, I will still be no. listening to Happy Hardcore. No. The last thing that Cliff Richard wants is Gary's underpants thrown at him, <laughs> whatever age he reaches. Because yeah, Cliff Richard is the ever living, he'll still be, he alive. be alive, he'll still be touring. So, yeah, you can go see him, Gary, and throw your uh, long johns at him because he likes, he likes, he likes johns. <laughs> He's got a penchant for long johns, <laughs> a penchant for long johns. That's, that's his French album, penchant, long johns. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the question, the thing about Cliff Richard is that isn't he the single most, the only artist to have charted since the 50s? Every in decade, like, isn't it? Every yeah. decade. Yeah, yeah. Every, have a number, I mean, have a just, number one or something. He's part of the social, uh, you know, the cultural landscape. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It is. It's very British. Very yes. British. I mean, you know, you know, the French have like Johnny Halliday and uh, Serge Gainsbourg and so on. Very British, Gary. And we get Cliff Bloody Richard. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. God. We get what we deserve. Deserve, yeah. We bloody deserve. That's true. Yeah. There we go. Oh, God. Fourth of, fourth of December, new albums. Uh, Hold me in your arms. So if we, get what, if we get what we deserve, <laughs> we, we've been bad, bad boys. And now we've got this well, you have. 
<laughs> we know that. Yeah. I've seen the evidence. It's just... Um, oh, God. Did you hear me? Number eight, hold me in your arms, Rick Astley. I, Rick Astley. I kind of like the idea of Rick Astley without actually appreciating the reality. You know, it, he's done some good songs, but this... This second, is it his, you'd say it was his sophomore album, I guess. His second album. His, it's, I flicked through the songs and it was just piss awful. Yep. I mean, just every, I think you've mentioned on this podcast before that in all the videos for these songs, he appears to be interacting with taxis quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's always getting out of a taxi, yeah. I'm going, every so. song, I'm getting out of a taxi. What's that all about? It's, yeah. Very busy guy. God, yeah. It's, it's, it's just really, really bad. I mean, they yeah, released five is... singles from this album and all of them are totally crap. Should have changed his name to Rick Gastly for this one. Rick Gastly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rick Gastly. Not good. And, you know, but, you know, fair play to him. He's still bouncing around. He's still part of the cultural landscape. Yeah, hanging around with back. Dave Grohl and so on and so on. So yeah, good he did pop, popped on stage with the Foo Fighters, didn't he? Did you know yeah. about that song? Apparently I read, uh, yeah. uh, saw an interview with Dave Grohl and he said, we just saw him standing in the crowd and we just decided to pull him in. And they, which is why when you watch the video, um, Rick Astley doesn't really have an idea what's going on. And Dave Grohl afterwards said, we, we thought that, you know, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit is actually a very similar song to, uh, what's his most famous one? Never Gonna Give You yeah, Up. Yeah, Never Gonna Give You Up. And he's like, they're two. And then someone transplanted the two together. And, and actually, yeah, I can see what Dave Grohl's saying. Good <laughs> look to them. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Okay. No, uh, in at number 25 is the thieving magpie, which is uh, what people call him, uh, Marillion. Aye. Because he's always nicking around, stealing stuff, the dirty tramp. Yeah, he's a dirty little tramp. <laughs> and you've, I quite you liked a bit of Marillion at that time, I have to say. <laughs> I, I, one no. of my favourite albums was Misplaced Childhood. Get, I don't, shut up. I don't like a lot of Marillion, <laughs> I have to say, but that album, is, for some no reason... No one does. I love it. I love that album. Childhood, so Zan, I, Kane, I, mean, uh, I don't mind the one with Dilly Dilly in it. Lavender, Which, yeah. I, yeah, I, Lavender's fine. I, I really like that album for some reason. I heard it oh, about the late 2000s, and I was never into Marillion at all, and I don't really like a lot of their stuff, particularly post-Fish Leaving. Uh, but that album, I just really, really like. It's, it's just well, it's really good. For starters, wash your mouth out with soap. Don't humour him. He's a dirty tramp, and it was inevitably <laughs> going to leave because he got caught. He's a fish. <laughs> It's obvious it was going to happen. At some point, he was going to chase after a maggot, and that was the end of that. Well, he's going to, he's going to yeah. get hook mouth. He, he got battered and good. <laughs> he ended up as yesterday's news. Um, number 57 is Remote slash The Bittersweet by Hugh and Cry. Mm. That's a pun I, I, title, isn't it? I think The Bittersweet, Bittersweet is a separate album. Is it? Yeah. Bittersweet was released in 89, and yeah, Remote was 88. So I went and had a listen to Remote and flick through them because obviously they're one of your favourite bland core bands and <laughs> god damn it it was so boring yeah bland yeah. there was a song called Looking for Linda and I have no idea what the hell was going on with Linda at the, at the video was some woman on a train and I couldn't figure out what was going on and uh, uh, I don't know really know what to say no no exactly I think you know Sorry. kind of acid house and rap and whatever should have washed all this crap away so it is doing, but it takes a little bit of time. It's, it's, like, it's taking time. It's, it's taking like we've time. seen with the hair metal stuff. It all, you know, you, you get it the last dre- dregs of stuff. And so this is the end of 1988, 1989. This stuff is going. Hair exactly. metal going. Um, Gary, it's, stuff like, coming through. it's like when you've done a shit on the toilet. When it's flushed, some of it stays there and it just takes time to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get it. <laughs> That's what you call the bittersweet. <laughs> yeah, he would cry. I never, never had any great love no. for them at all. No, no at one all. did. Um, in at number 62 is Smashes, Thrashes and Hits. 
Uh, I, I think kids. I kind of made that point, didn't I? That this was the the last throw of the dice for these kind of bands. And I actually oh, yeah, watched. Yeah. The, obviously, I actually watched a couple of the videos. You know, it's basically just a bunch of hot women prouncing around. And yeah, you know, that's it. they will they will go on for another year or two, uh, probably another year, because it'll take um, you know, smells like Teen Spirit to stamp. Yeah, that's a fair st- point. Stamp them probably. out properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's a really. Although good they're point. still going. Yeah, they yeah, are still going, know, but I, I mean, but I mean, as in the, the hitting the charts, being the big yeah. thing, being what rock was. Yeah, and exactly. It all, it all changes with you know with the uh, Seattle sound and everything uh, when that comes through. Well, it's sort of in nine, eighty, I suppose. I think our perception of it does. I think all it did was just drive it into the hands of its fans. Kisses remained, and they still fill stadiums even now and always have. They've never. They've always oh, they, been yeah, a big, they, massive bands, live the, band. The big so, bands always will. If they get to number 62 in the UK charts, it makes no difference to them because if they they put on a gig, they fill it instantly with 60,000 people. But you, if you go to a, but if you go to a Kiss track or anyone like that, you know, Skid Row, Bon Jovi, all those kind of bands that were, you know, that kind of thing. If you go there and they did nothing but play on their latest album, I would guarantee you that crowd is going to be nothing but disappointed because you yeah, go to but, see those bands for the, the songs they released in the 80s. That's what you see, yeah, 70s don't, and 80s. It, but I don't think you can put Kiss in the same in the same. No one goes to see Kiss to hear the new stuff. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can't put Kiss in the same category as Bon Jovi's and stuff like that. Not really. No, they're, they're, they're kind a, a long-serving kind of band. I know they've been going for, ye- they've been going it's for not, years. It's not the long-serving part. They're just they're just they're just in a servitude to their fans. That everything they do is in a dedicated play to their fan base. They know exactly how to work that fan base. Yeah, and good good on them. I mean, I think I that's like what them, I believe, dissimilar to people like Marillion, who've actually, they use their fan base to fund their albums, you know, through... We told you, stop talking about that Dirty Tramps band. <laughs> we don't like them and we never will. They're not welcome here. <laughs> I, I remember... Um, here, sir. There's a... There's a... Because um, Rush, in their early years, they used to tour with Kiss quite a lot. Um, and they were the support band for them. And I remember yeah, a there's, a, there's a video... You know, watch one of the videos, sort of thing. One of the recent documentaries on Rush, and they ask Eddie Lee about, you know, what was it? What what do you think to Kiss? And he he, he pauses for a moment. He went, they were quite hard working, <laughs> and that's the, that's yeah. all he says about them. <laughs> so you like, on the same bill, like, you've uh, got a cerebral kind you've got of early Rush. You've got early uh, yeah. prog Rush. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 Can't well, imagine that they're doing like five four jazz time chord progressions and so on and so on. Yeah. And then you've got the next song. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna, I'm going to have your pussy on a stick type song. <laughs> well, pretty much. What? I, I don't, who put that bill together? Don't ask me. You know, I have to say, um, other than a handful of Kiss songs, I couldn't name you any. Um, no, no. But if you speak I mean. to an actual proper, a proper like Kiss fan fan, they'll be able to name you every album, every track, every single. Every, I mean, they're, yeah, they're really enough. dedicated. Their fan base is an amazing fan base. I imagine. Yeah, fair play. Um, a, I know. I'm not knocking. But with whatever. Rush, I can't imagine that. It's funny, we, we saw him with Primus. I mean, that was an oddball mix as well. Yeah. So good. But good I on, think there's a bit of crossover there. The thing, uh, yeah, but it's an interesting comment. Just turn around. And then they were they were hardworking. I can imagine they are hardworking. <laughs> and he's you know, but not so, if you've seen them now. Goodness me, I saw a recent footage of it. it looked like Gene Simmons had a well. He did actually. I think almost have a stroke on stage, didn't he? They stopped a gig about an hour in because he just basically sat down and he was like, and he just almost passed out. You know, these guys are getting on, you know, it's taking no, its well, toll on them. Well, this I think actually that, you know, there's quite a lot of rock, should we say, heroes that are now well into their 70s. Yeah, they need you know. to slow down a bit. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got like Rolling Stones and stuff, like who are, I don't know, how old are they now? They must be. Yeah, they're, they're, all, real? they're all like, they're ridiculous. Like, Dylan is what, 81? Brings, Springsteen is 70. Yeah, well into his 70s. We've realised well, that Mick Jagger is living spaghetti and uh, 
you know, and what's his face? Yes. Keith Richards is just a load of ants. <laughs> Made of ants, yeah. Keith Rich ant. Keith Rich ant. On that note, <laughs> what were these song titles anyway? Just because, let's put the X in set yeah, but that, but and that's you make me of, rock hard. But they were a couple of the tracks from the album because it's a compilation, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And what, one song's called Let's Put the X in Sex. Now, I don't think that's a commentary on uh, the Pol Pot regime in Cambodia or anything, is it? And I hope you, not. you make me rock hard with you make me in parentheses. Like, it's meant to be kind of some kind of uh, clever thing to do. You make me rock hard. Da, 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 da. Now, do they mean <laughs> you make me rock hard as in I'm going to play really hard rock music? Or does it mean that he's going to, you know, is there a sexual suggestion? It's going to become you to figure out. That's for I've you. got to That's figure for you it out to myself. Out. Yeah. Oh, yes, God, I like, it. I like yes. things to be presented to me on a plate. Obviously not <laughs> Kiss's penis. I'm sure, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Here you go, sir. Oh, thank you. I ordered the, I ordered the penis like kiss. <laughs> oh, put it away. Does it come if with a bread roll? it's as long as the tongue, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Would sir like some dip? <laughs> Chocolate sauce. <laughs> God's Brown, sake, no. please. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I know. Actually, I quite. I, you, Adrian, you used to play Crazy Nights. Was it Crazy? Uh, I still it? like. Yeah. To be fair, crazy I still, Nights, I still, yeah. I still like. I that still song. like it. I still love it. I God think gave it's a great rock and song. roll to you. Still another great tune. These are crazy, crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just brilliant. It is a brilliant song. Probably about. There's the one covered by the Donners, which I quite like. Um, but again, I prefer the Donners cover. Um, the Donner kebabs. Yeah, the Donner kebabs. Yeah. <laughs> the Donners is <laughs> what they're on the uh, now fourteen. I, I think it's Strutter. <laughs> I think it's the song. Um, but yeah, there's not much else. There's a couple that were. There's a couple that I used to play that were on rock band. Oh, they were quite good, but hey In at number 70 is Flag, as you mentioned, Gary, by Yellow. You mentioned that last week. Yeah, I, I think I said that Yellow one of my favourite bands. So Yellow basically started off as two engineers, Boris Blank and Carlos Perron. And Carlos Perron left quite early on, and they brought in a chap called Dieter Mayer. And Dieter Mayer was a bit of uh, a Swiss, uh, and Dieter Mayer was basically from a very rich family, and he was a bit of a raconteur, a bit of a gambler, a bit of a, uh, what should we say, kind of a, a flambeur. So he's loaded. They decided to put all these albums together. And it, it's such an ex, ex, eccentric, eccentric story of these two guys who've made some of the most eccentric electronic music of all time. And they are unique. I don't think there's very few people like them. And what the curious thing about their albums are is that they don't actually sound like electronic albums. So when you listen to them, they've got, and particularly this one, it's, a, it's basically, it sounds like a, there's a lot of samba, there's a lot of Latino rhythms, and all of it was done on a computer processed through the Furlight uh, and various other um, electronic instruments. So what you're hit, what you think you're hearing is a massive samba band is actually Boris Blank and his computers. And they're weird, that kind of mixture of that and the eccentricities of the whole kind of thing. Uh, and this was actually the second CD that I ever bought. The first CD I ever bought was Waiting for Cousteau by Jean-Michel Yard. And the second one was this one <laughs> in 1990. Uh, and I've been huge fans ever since. And this, I think, is is just an absolutely uh, fantastic album. It's the album that their most, uh, the second most famous track after Oh Yeah, The Race comes from, yeah. uh, which has been mm-hmm. utilised in dozens of films. It's got the dozens, and, and again, that whole kind of thing, it's like the horns and everything, all created through computers. And these guys, um, you know, they're quite unique, I think, in what they've done. 
uh, and how they presented their sound. And uh, I think this is just a, a, a brilliant album. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, I agree. Right. Good stuff. Good to know. At number 74 um, is Everything by the Bangles. Is that Everything <sighs> by the Bangles? Just everything. Probably. Everything we've ever done. Just all in an album. Well, there's a everything. lot on it. There's 13 songs on this, and you know, I only I only really knew one. Obviously, the famous one. Um, Which one? What like an Egyptian? Is that on this one? Manic Monday. Manic is that Monday. on this one? I don't know. You I don't me. think it is. I think it's the. <laughs> you said you did one the of them. Slow I'm just ballad. Get... The, what's it called? The slow ballad. It's gone from my mind now. Oh, the, the... Uh, eternal Can't... flame. Yeah, eternal yeah. flame. That's yeah. the only song I recognise. That, the other, not, the, that, the other famous it, songs were off another album, and oh, this right. uh, this was I. I've, is this, I started to listen to them. Well, is this an actual album, not a compilation? Yeah, I think so. It's a studio album, yeah. Yeah, it's, right, okay. so it's literally only got Eternal Flame on it that I recognise. The rest of it, no idea. All right. Well, no to be fair, they didn't really need to do anything else apart from Eternal Flame, did it? Because it was massive. It's so massive. And it is a good song. It is a, a good hit. song. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, fair play to them. But the, the thing about the Bangles is that the, the poor Banglets, the other three, they've been overshadowed completely. Nobody remembers the other three other than Susanna Hoffs. That's what kind yeah. of split them up. What they didn't yeah. like it. He's got all the attention. Yeah, exactly. That's what led to the demise of the band. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, the record company were focusing on her over the rest of the band, weren't they? But she didn't have a solo career, though, did she? Yeah, I don't remember any of her own Susanna songs. Hoffs. I'm not sure. No, she I might, don't think, I think she did. No. I don't remember a single no. song that Susanna no. Hoffs released. I remember her for saying "What like an Egyptian" in a really sultry way and going, "Wow, she's good looking." And doing that little uh, cliche dance of like pretending to be Egyptian type business. Yeah, mm. they didn't dance like that. They didn't walk like that either. I'm sure <laughs> they really, didn't. No. It'd be really awkward to walk like a crab. It, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't do that. They don't shuffle their feet backwards and forwards and do that pointy hand thing. No, they don't. Do they that. don't. Put their hands in, in front fact, of that. They, no one does that. It's just stupid. No, and they, when they drew people on the, uh, you know, they, when they did all the hieroglyphics, they weren't representations of people dancing either. Those, <laughs> yeah. Just, this is how we walk. Draw me like I <laughs> just can imagine it. It's like, and I though they did like decry, <laughs> the great god Horus did dance the steps. It's like, what? <laughs> he did. Why have you drawn a dog-headed god walking like a crab? Only because because their language didn't read that way, didn't it? So they didn't walk up to like to, to go and order a burger. It would be hawk, wing, bat, fly, man, spear. It wouldn't. They didn't <laughs> speak no, in that's hieroglyphics. That's just the list they? on the menu. <laughs> hawk burger, please. They didn't speak in hieroglyphics. You know, they're just no. stupid. Um, no, it's, I don't think that's a classic album by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. I think it's also on the Bangles have got clearly on their way out at this point as well. True. Eleventh of December is uh, in at number thirty-two is G and R Lies by Guns and Roses. Second album of theirs. It is. I thought output. this was just a sort of a because yeah, it's, it's really short, isn't it? It's like only thirty three minutes long. Yeah, it's a really sort of blasty, Forgetful. sort of punky. Yeah, the only one I recognise on it is Patience. Yeah, the thing, the weird thing with this, I think, is that it's it exists in a really odd space and time. That album. So I think because a lot of things are coming to the end, it felt like this album and the because the tracks were really big off the first album, and then this one came out at the wrong time when things were just changing a bit. And the, obviously User Illusion came out a bit later, but I think this particular album and their output at this point was just forgettable. It just got forgotten in time. Yeah. Weird. I don't know any of this. It's, uh, this no, I don't, the, what singles were famous from this? I, Patience. Exactly, none. No, Patience not, it wasn't really, you know, but the people, I think people were still rocking out to the first album's tracks. I think people liked those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah you know, I, I, Paradise I know the City cover. was around yeah. for ages, ages well, I mean, and ages. So what's this? Live like a suicide. First four tracks consisted of the previously released EP live, uh, like a suicide, 
These four tracks will also include as bonus tracks on the 28-inch issue of um, Appetite for Destruction, and the last four songs were recorded with acoustic guitars. It's a stingy. It's a. It's a. It's not a proper album. No, it's, it's not. not. It, it, it's, it's a. It's a. a it's a yeah, it's, a it's like chew, the mission second album, in. like mm. uh, first chapter, which is just a load of extra stuff, singles, yeah. extra you know bonus tracks. It's that all just shoved together to be. It's just a, right in the coattails of the success of you know it is, um, yeah. of uh, the mm-hmm. first album. It's some. Um, it's a filler until they can actually get back and do something else. Uh, yeah, until they did Usual Illusion yeah. one and two. Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean. It's not the, a proper the album. Traumatic but... production of those albums is well recorded. Yeah. Yeah. The number fifty. Quite sorry. late, weren't they? Usual Illusion one and two were delivered really late. Yeah. Ninety one. Ninety one. two. They came out. The Post yeah, Nirvana. I think, aren't they? Massively late when they were coming out. Yeah, but. Didn't hurt them, did they? They went in at number one and two everywhere somewhere in most places, didn't they? Yeah, there was quite Huge. heavily uh, rotation with those, weren't they? Live and Let yeah. Die was a big hit for them on that one. Yeah, there's tons of stuff off those two. Uh, number 50 is The Greatest Hits of House by various artists. It's a good oh, compilation. Look, Gary's actually got it. <laughs> well, of course What's he that has. say? 32 mega house hits at the yep, top there. that's what it does. I mean, mega it's, house uh, hits. it's uh, one of those house compilations, isn't it, from the late 80s where they just got loads of tracks and put them on. You put them on. You either like it or you don't really, isn't it? It's, it's, it is yeah. what it is. And in answer to your question, you asked, if did you have it on tape? Yes, you did, because it was one of the first things I ever copied, tape to tape, with the very first recorder I had that did tape to tape. So I know that it's, uh, you definitely had it, because I remember getting it off you. That and House It's 88. House It's 88. And that one, and there was another one that I had. Oh, what's it called? We had about, I had about three or four of them. And we used yeah. to play them constantly in your bedroom yeah. while I yeah. sat there watching code, yeah. reading magazines yeah. and yeah. sitting on your bed and going, oh, yes. this track's good. This one's got Bomb the Bass on. It's got Bomb yeah. the Bass on. It's got Cold Cut. <laughs> it's, got Cold, it's got the Jungle Brothers on. Remember us getting very effusive about Jack to the Sound of the Underground as well. Jack to the point. Sound of the Underground. God, you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Hit House seems to be missing a letter at the beginning. In at number 53 is Gary is My Gift to You by Alexander O'Neill. I don't own this one, I'm glad to say. I actually flicked through quite a number of these songs on this, and it was, I think... <laughs> no, not for me. Not for me. <laughs> Don't worry, your tears say more than words ever can. <laughs> uh, you made a note here, Gary, that all copies of this should be burned. And in fact, they are. Um, I found an entry in a, an obscure wiki in the village of Lower Luxton in Devon. Um, there's an annual event known by locals as the Crumpo. Um, after an initial ceremony where the oldest virgin in the village claps three times over a sleeping dog, and throws a tomato into a nearby field, the village official recites the call of the Crumpo. <laughs> At this point, all the villagers bring their copies of any Alexander Revenue album and they throw them down the village well where they are then set on fire. So you get, you got well, your that wish. Sounds fair, that sounds fair enough. I think at the end of the day, so they if, sound if you like... Want to get, if you want to get involved, uh, pop to where there's a website and you can pop to Lower Luxton and get Lower in, Luxton, yeah, and go I, and join I, in, yeah. And you go and join in the Crumpo. The Crumpo. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I'm all up for that. I mean, Alexander O'Neill, he's obviously vaguely talented. I give him his dues and stuff. But he, <laughs> vaguely. It's, it's just this. It's not our it's thing. It's just too and smooth, just, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's not our thing. So we, just, we just have it's to so smooth. You know, you know, so smooth. I was, what, 17, 18, and I certainly wasn't being smooth with anyone, I'll tell you, at this time. No, but if you need to go for <laughs> a big, you know, if you need to go for a big, you know, Brad Pitt, Sticking on a bit of Alexander O'Neill, you wouldn't have had any of those painful moments, would you? It would have just shot out you like a bloody torpedo, like a greased torpedo. It would have been so smooth. That greased torpedo was the album that came after my gift to you. (laughs) And then then there was Brown Seal. 
Uh, in at number 71, Hold an Old Friend's Hand by Tiffany. Cack. He's too young to have an it's, album it's, that title. It, yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. At the end of the day, she's just a – how old was she at this point? 17, 18? Yeah, it's not very old. Yeah. You know, she's obviously appealing to young men of our ilk at that time. But the music is just – I don't know, it's just it, – She's I like her. shite. She's I all like shoulder. I think we're alone now. Yeah, it's all, it's all shoulder, yeah. I mean, she yeah she's very shoulders. shruggy. Very good very shoulders. Very Not very good voice, though. She's it's clearly straining again. On her shoulders way. were better than her voice, so... But, you know... <laughs> she, she's still... <laughs> shoulders the name of a character in her. In yeah, a, shoulders in is in uh, the big bus. It's a big bus. Yeah, big bus, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he falls asleep. <laughs> driving a nuclear-powered bus. Yeah, that's right. He <sighs> falls asleep whenever he gets over-tense, doesn't he? Whenever he gets yeah, too, like, <laughs> too panicked. <laughs> uh, look out. I need to watch that film. Candle. That, is, that is genius, that film. It's yeah, obviously a, a shameless... It's a, is that what it's for? It's a yeah, shameless yeah. film. That's where that's from. Yeah, yeah. It's a complete rip-off of the airplane's Zucker humour, yeah, but it, it works quite well. I've, I'm going to have to download that. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, buy it from... Uh, Are you going to have to obtain yeah, that from a legal, legal <laughs> a legitimate source? <laughs> for me, I'll yeah. get it from a legitimate source and, uh, and watch it again. <laughs> but, um, but Tiffany, apparently Tiffany, I saw something on Twitter, is in one of the shark movies, like Sharknado or whatever, and it's Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. In this shark film, like who, who, what producer sat there and was like, literally, we've got, I don't know, a million. That's literally Rick's wet it dream. It is, yeah, it? <laughs> it is his wet dream. It yeah, is dear. completely his wet dream. A shark movie, Tiffany, Debbie Gibson, like seriously. And Tiffany battles the flying sharks or something. I mean, it's just madness. Who comes up with this crap? I sense a great tremor in the force. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some of your listeners have actually watched said film and can let us know on Discord. It'll be Sharknado, Shark Attack, Shark Go Three, Shark, Go shark, shark in My Toilet. I think um, we're fishing now and so on and so that's on. That's another title, yeah. That's another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shake Your Shark. <laughs> Shaky Sharky. Shaky Shark, Sharky Stevens. I can't think of any That's what we said before when it was when Fergal Sharky and Shaking Stevens did a duet. Sharky Stevens. Shaky shaky, Sharky, wasn't it? Shaky Sharky. Um, Oh, dear. Finally, finally, the last album. Number 85, uh, Once More Into the Bleach by Debbie Harry and Blondie. Bah. Bah with that pun title. Bah. I do like a good pun, but, I mean, that That is a really bad one. It is is a bit of a bad (laughs) one. Once more into the... It's unto, anyway, but once more into the bleach. The bleach. I don't like the fact that, like, because at this point, it it does annoy me, and I, I get it, but it kind of annoys me sort of thing that the like we said about um the bangles the focus had all become debbie well, harry debbie where Perry. when yes. the, the, you know the, the main and, and no get me wrong she's an incredible front person and, and brilliant singer and everything like that but it was the band it was blondie the band yeah. you know the the staccato beats that amazing drumming the great guitaring Clem. it was all that that made them what they were not just debbie harry and it's it, no, it, well, it feels a bit because let's face it debbie harry's solo well, career yeah, yeah, but it depend depends if you if you're talking about Parallel Lines version of Blondie, that's a total studio production. That everything about that is a guy in the studio recorded a single drum hit, a single snare hit, and pieced that together bit by bit to make it sound that way, which is why it sounds like it does. The other Blondie stuff, I totally agree with you, but that album, it's because they wanted to, they wanted more of Debbie Harry at the front. They wanted her to get more of yeah, the attention. That's fair enough. But, but you're right I, because when she did a solo stuff, it wasn't so good, was it? But you saw her, if you ever think- saw them live, if you see them live, they're a Bloody machine-like. Yeah, yeah, good band, really good band. Incredibly good, like. 
I, th- I think the, the I can only think that on that album is maybe there's a separate Debbie Harry solo release on it, and which is why they've had to title it as uh, Debbie Harry and Blondie. Yes, uh, it must be I some weird remember. contractual. But we we've spoke about it before, but we've come across such weird contractual anomalies yeah. in the music biz when we've been talking about albums and when we've dug into them a bit, and um, where they've had to record a certain thing so they could be released from a certain contract and all that kind of guff, and it's probably something to do with that. And I did read that apparently a lot of the tracks on this are remixes or separate versions. The the whole thing was a bit of a cash grab. Go back and listen to the the original albums. Just just looking at the track list, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tracks by Blondie and one, two, three, four, five, six tracks that are Debbie Harry. It's got French kissing on, isn't it? French kissing in the USA, Rush Rush, in In Love With Love, The Jam Was Moving. Feel the spin and backfire to the Debbie Harry track. Does anybody else know any of those songs? Or no. no. French kissing. No, you got the like, tide is high. Rapture. The jam is moving. What the hell was that? Was it called the jam is moving? Call yeah. me jam. out of glass, Denis. Yeah. I mean, what you know, Blondie's me. brilliant. You, you, Blondie, the the uh, that album, Parallel Lines, and those classic singles, fantastic. Yep. But you know, this uh, everything after, and then they came back, didn't they? They came back with Maria. Oh, the, tried. Was that was that like late nineties? Was that nineties? Wasn't it? Was it nineties? I don't know. Nearly nineties, I think. Maria, oh, no, they're, they're back. And actually, I th- I saw a couple of documentaries. Um, Nineteen ninety nine, Maria. Ninety nine, and Debbie Harry on these documentaries was so dull. She was <laughs> yeah. just so boring. Like just spoke in a very monotone voice. And yeah, I was like, oh, my god, you know. Well, I think, I think that was a lot, more, a lot more interesting when she was, than, you know when she was living in the slum in New York doing it in the yeah. old fashioned way. I think that a was a bit like me. That was some part of the singing that she did as well sometimes as well, wasn't it? It was that kind of monotone, lower register stuff when Yeah, when, when I mean she she, she, she was quite dull in these documentaries. Well, it's I like, say. It's like I said, you've got a you have to div- sort of divorce the parallel lines blondie that you hear in the studio of that studio album from their live shows, live performance at that time. Because they sound and she sounds nothing like that live. That was total studio produce producer really laying down the production thick. So they could get an album out that the record company could get behind. Mm. I mean, they're a great band, you know. They're yeah, part of our youth, aren't they? Really, Blondie, absolutely. Well, sort of. I think they're part of my younger youth because. Oh yeah, God, you. Um, I, I mean, think, the, I, mean I, I'm, I'm he- I remember hearing a lot of Blondie because obviously I've got an older brother and he was well into it, and I remember being quite enamoured with her look when she was on top of the pops and stuff way back then, and thinking, well, no, she was very different, looked very different to everyone else, and she was always quite sexualised and quite interesting to look at, you know, for, for mm. looking at, not for, for listening to at that time, maybe. <laughs> But she's a very talented woman, we have to yes, say. Yes, she is. Oh, yeah, yeah. But as Aidy's point is right, the band, I would argue, very much more so, and especially the guitarist and the drummer. Drummer's insanely Clem. good. Yeah. yeah. Amazing drummer. Yeah. And, yeah, all of them. There we go. There was nothing released on the 18th of December and nothing, or nothing, yeah, nothing new in the charts on the 18th of December and nothing new on the 25th of December. So I'm afraid that's a disappointment. I know. I'm sorry. There's nothing more to actually cover. So uh, that's it. That's it for the albums for December 1988. Any comments, Gary, before you head off into the wild? No, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying coming on your podcast and chatting rubbish for a little bit. (laughs) It's it's enjoyable. And I hope. Even if one person gets a scintilla of enjoyment from listening to us talk crap about music, well, then that's a we've, we've put a little bit of positivity into the world. It's, yeah, it's, it's a magical People dig thing. It. High hopes, Gary. It's high hopes. Well, we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> we got high hopes. Uh, yeah, there we go. So thank you very much for coming on, Gary. It's always much appreciated. Yeah, I always. do appreciate it. Your, your knowledge is existential. Existential? Existential. Ex- it, it, it's Both. always a pleasure, never a chore. 
<laughs> Good to hear. Um, on that note, uh, we're going to go take a break. We'll be back. We've still got how many more games? We've got another four more games to come oh. after the after the break. Um, so we'll be getting into them. So please do stick around. Dynam on course. I'm almost there, ready to deliver David Hearn's books, including Back in Time for a Donut and The Case of the Notorious Roboticist, to a bookstore near you. Let's just bypass Targ and... Oi! Where's that copy of Escape from the Commodore 64 you promised me? Dave's latest book. Ah, oh, not you again. I thought I lost you outside Gamma 5. Hey, did you just fire at my ship? Says I've got some conflict damage. I'll give you conflict. Looks like your Nova Drive is shot. Literally. Tragic, that. Computer says I'm on a collision course with Targ. Options, you can crash into Targ, and it just so happens I'm also the mayor, so straight to prison for you, or you can give over that last copy of Dave's latest book. Yeah, in exchange for what? Hmm, let me see. Aha! I've got a spare Nova Drive back here. How about that? Oh, okay, I can't do mercenary again. The deal. Dave's latest book, Escape from the Commodore 64, is all yours. There. Oh, I love the cover. There's Paradroid, Impossible Mission, and Law of the West. Get your own copy. You're not having mine at davidhernwriter.com. Can I ask a quick question, though? How would you keep me in a prison that only has lines for walls? And we're back. We hope you enjoyed that. That was the albums. We've got four more games still to come um, in this episode. Um, let's waste no time. Let's get straight into them. Um, and like we started the first part off with, this time we have Professional Ski Simulator. Ooh la la. Ooh la la, indeed. Just replace skateboard. Ski for skateboard. You've got the same thing. Could we just put, paste in the there's some isometric movement? <laughs> it's just the same. <laughs> uh, so it's got the word simulator in it. It must be Codemasters, professional ski simulator. It's here to give us a real taste of speeding down the slopes and trying to get through the flags before time runs out. That's it. Mm. That's what this is. Uh, this was coded by the Highlanders, uh, being Andrew Graham on code with Stuart and Robbie Graham on visuals. I'm getting a family vibe there. Maybe some yeah. brothers or dads and brothers and uncles, whatever. I don't know. It's got Steve Barrett on audio again. Best thing about it, this game, is the music. Mm. Um, nice music. Steve Barrett's doing some decent tunes of late. We've sort of listened to a few yes. of his, and, and he's, been, he's knocking some good tunes out, Mr. Barrett is. I I've never heard of him before. Um, I used to have a friend called Ian Barrett, um, not Steve Barrett. Actually, Steve Barrett was his brother. I wonder if he is his brother. Probably not. Might be. Anyway, there's not much story here, with the box just tasking us with experiencing the thrills and spills of the downhill racer. That's it. What else do you need? Uh, so these simulators games, they've been, should we say, varied in quality. Just a bit. Um, but this one actually makes a decent first impression, asking you to put your names in for player one and two before treating us to a decent tune on the title screen, as I said, and a high score table complete with some nice raster bars moving through the entries and a nice scrolling message at the bottom. Oh, it's mm. quite nice, that, that title screen. It's good. It uses good colours as well here, all blue, grey, and white, which is nice theming with the snowy setting of the game. So it's got a it's got a cold, a chilly feeling to it, which I quite I quite like. Nice bit of thinking going on there. So I'm okay, I can get behind this. Good stuff. We can press one or two at this point to start the game. Now there are always two skiers, um, but if you choose one, then the other is computer controlled. 
So in this game, there are seven courses to get through, and failing to complete any of them in the time allowed means game over and back to the title screen you go. That can be a bit frustrating if you get fairly far in. A bit tricky, but there you go. The first one takes place on Piste 1, which is Salback. I think they're all named after... Um, I didn't get through them all, so I can't tell you what they all are, but I think they're actually named after proper sort of uh, ski run, shall we say. I believe they are, yeah. Yeah, and we've got 60 seconds to complete it. So the view of the game is from up in the air again um, and front on to the slope. It's, it's, I don't know, is it isometric? Is it? I don't... It's, it's something. Uh, it's kind of... It's kind of... You're looking straight... You're looking straight down, but the way they've done it, you know, the, the slope stuff go off to the side. The slopes of the course are coloured and graded. The effect is is, is okay. Um, our skiers are single sprites, quite small. Um, but they're coloured solid blue and red, so they're pretty easy to make out against the, the mostly white and cyan backdrops. So, okay, so like I said, and your, and your slopes that you go down, they're kind of graded, you know, colour color coded, like more cyan is the sort of steeper the slope and stuff like that. You kind of get used to it. There are flags that you've got to go through. There are bumps, you know, sort of raised humps, the trees and huts. And I thought it actually looked okay for a budget title compared to some of the others we've seen from this range. It put me in mind of uh, BMX Simulator. Um, a little bit in that kind mm-hmm. of sort of small from a distance style. It, it has that sort of, and that kind of shading going on in some of the sort of, like we saw in yeah, BMX yeah. Simulator. It kind of has that kind of feel, but for snow, really. The controls are simple enough with you needing, to, so they're very similar to um, Pro Skateboard Simulator. You need to, but in this one, you press fire repeatedly to build up your speed. And then when you head down a slope, you can hold down fire to build up more speed. So if you head down a slope, you hold down fire, you tuck in as you do on a slope, and you can get more speed up as you go down. Left and right turns your skier a fraction at a time, um, like I said. And so, yeah, it shares controls similar to BMX Simulator, I guess, because that was fire to go faster. And so this, this owes a lot to BMX Simulator, I think, except it scrolls downwards rather than a single screen. Um, you've got to get your angle right for the slopes as hitting them at the wrong angle will make you stumble. And this does that thing that BMX Simulator did, and that when you stand, when it stands you back up, it points you in the opposite direction to that in which you fell. Um, as that, I can kind of see why they did it, because they probably think you're going to crash into a tree, so let's point you the other direction. Not always the case, though. Something, I'd just be clipping something as I was heading down, and so now I'm heading up the slope. That's no good. Um, and, and then forces mm-hmm. me to take time because you have to sort of dig, dig, dig to, to turn around and it's not really particularly smooth and that was annoying. Um, so I'm losing more time trying to turn around than I did from the fall itself. Um, the screen also shows on the right-hand side a satellite view of the course with the two skis, skiers moving down it represented by blue and red dots. And if one player, if you're playing two player, if one player gets far enough ahead, um, then the other one has to use this to try and navigate the course. Which is just impossible. I mean, that's just, just, it's just impossible. It can't be done because, you know, um, it doesn't show the slopes or the bumps. So you've no idea what angle to be at or where to go or anything like that. You just kind of head for the flag and then you've fallen over. It's just, it's a stupid addition. You know, you're either off the course or you're not. You can't see it. So that's pointless. Um, so it's game over for you if this happens. If you make it down to the bottom in time, then it's on to the next course. Um, and that's it. And there are seven to do. And I believe there's actually a Yeti. That makes an appearance on the last one. Yeti, I know. As these games go, you know, it's two quid. It's not terrible. It's a bit slow and a bit dull. The graphics are functional at best, but they do their job. It just never feels like I'm hurtling down a piece at speed, steering between flags as I go. It always feels like I'm just jiggling along, trying to find an angle not to fall over. It's like um, it's like old people skiing. It's like uh, 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 left and right, uh. and then you get the wrong angle. You're like uh, down, and then I'm facing the wrong direction. Old people skiing. So what this feels like? It's just a bit of a. It's a weird one. It, 
it never feels like it actually, you know, you're supposed to be, it says on the back of the thing, the experiencing the thrills and spills of the downhill racer. Half the time you have to go directly left to right and around and up. You have to go back up to get around to the flags. That seems to negate the point of the downhill racing yep. somewhat. I don't know. If they had stretched the courses out a little, not made it so cramped, and actually allowed you to gain some speed, and actually downhill ski, kind of, I mean, what was the, is there a skiing, what's the skiing one? Was it World Games? World Games has got it, yes. Yeah, yeah, World Games. I mean, this attempts to be something like a that, I suppose, but it's nowhere near as good as that. The, the entry in that. That has you left and right, you know, going downhill. This has you almost going sort of side to side. <laughs> it's far too much and sort of jiggling around and press the fire button. And it just didn't really work. You know, stretch this out, it would have been better. It's just too cramped to really provide any sense of the thrills and spills that are promising of downhill skiing. There's not much more to say about this. It's all right. I mean, in two players, it, you know, in one or two players, there's some nice bits, there's some nice graphics, they're okay, but it just feels two quid. It's got 73%. Again, I don't think it's worth that high. It's, a, it's an average game. It's in the 50s for me. What, what did you think? Did you like this or did you get on with it? Or No, it not been- really. I mean... I think no, I agree. I think my comment was seventy three percent for what? Yeah, um, another kind of no, hor- not horrible, but not great controls. And the controls are what you live and die on with these kind of games. I mean, this the intro part, like you say, looked the part. Um, and it's sort of you know, and the kind of the sort of mini, the mini microness of the game kind of did set, was set me a little bit at odds once I'd started in it with its odd controls and its kind of micro view because it's kind of a box in the middle, isn't it? It looked the graphics looked snowy and looked. You know, looked wintry and ski. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, okay, that's looking quite good. Um, but the controlling it was really bad. I never felt like I was really in control because I think it's because it keeps reversing your direction and keeps, you know, and if you try, there's no trying to get used to this. There's no, you know, I don't know how long you, you'd need to give it to try and start to do it, but it's the in is not as quick as world games and the slalom. Then why would I spend a lot of time doing this? Yeah. Um, so the game backgrounds I thought looked quite nice, but the, Scrolling was jerky, which is, you know, I can't forgive it now for something, even at budget level for this. It's not like there's a lot going on the screen here. No, there isn't. Um, and it had that map of this thing down the side, which is a good idea. It just needed to be a bit bigger, I think. Just It all felt a bit tiny and a bit cramped. And I know that's the kind of the, you know, this, the pro simulator MO is this tiny. It's tiny, little tiny things, but, you know, it needed to just be a little bit bigger here. I, I find it hard to see what I was doing because it was so small. And then the player computer player by the way was clearly some kind of world-class winter olympic superstar because he <laughs> shot down that slope like a perfect yeah. which also doesn't make you feel great when you, you're desperate you know i was facing the wrong way crashing off the slope it's in the things and this guy's just like hey done yeah, it's like france um, clamor to your, your exactly your hands, your hands crapper <laughs> absolutely it's all a bit zoomed in a jerky in a box not very nice to look at doesn't play very well if you could persevere with it maybe you could start to sort of get to grips with the controls and you might start to you know get good at it but i don't think it it is only two quid okay but two quid's a lot of money if it's rubbish this isn't rubbish but it is only i would say very very it's 30 to 40 percent again why is Mm. that Gave it seventy three percent is a is a mystery to me. Um, the really weird scores for these games, and even the reviews don't kind of add up to it. It just doesn't make any sense. So no, I didn't get on with it really. Um, I thought it looked wintry, but it left me out in the cold. Otherwise, hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> are you here all week? 
Why? <laughs> Why? He won't go. We've tried everything. Absolutely. Down the slope with you. <laughs> Slowly, side to side, and then back up a bit to get through the next gate. Pointless. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Uh, there no. we go. Pro ski simulator. It's kind of what we've come to expect from these simulator things. True. Yeah. They peaked with BMX simulator. They were never any better. No, that's very true. I don't think. Not ever. Oh, well, never mind. Let's move on to our next one. We've still got three more to get through. Let's hope... For God's sake, something picks up somewhere. And the next one, Graham, is the arcade conversion. We've got an arcade conversion in the house, and it is 1943. I think it's a subtitle, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, I think it's just 1943. Okay. Um, it might have, the arcade might have a, um, a sort of, yeah, it's the Battle of Midway, 1943, in um, the arcades. Ah, right. Not here, though. Um, this is published by Go, copyright Capcom, of course, developed by Tiertex. These are the champions that made the European version of Street Fighter. <gasps> yeah, and Rolling Thunder. Ah. Um, and the, the musician oh, no, that, was, that one too bad, actually, Rolling Thunder. I didn't mind that one. The, the musician's Mark Tate. So, I mean... <laughs> Not a lot, it's not like there's a great deal of story here. The gameplay is described in the inlay as a paragraph. As you blast through the flak-filled sides in your mission to destroy the Japanese battleship Yamato, you will need to shoot anything that stands in your way. By collecting power symbols, you collect secret weapon, enabling you to increase your firepower. The smart bomb will destroy enemy's units on the screen, but these are limited. Rolling enables you to roll the plane to prevent you from being destroyed. All right, that's it. Yeah. That's your instructions. I hope you enjoyed them. I did, loved them. 1943, The Battle of Midway is a 1987 vertically scrolling shooter arcade video game <laughs> developed and published by Capcom. God, me teeth in. It was the first follow-up to Capcom's earlier 1942. Sort of makes sense that they would call it 1943 then, really. It so, would, yeah. And like, like 1942, this is from the wiki, despite the game being created by Japanese developers, it had the player-controlled Americans attacking the Japanese air fleet. This was due to being one of the first Capcom games designed with the Western influence, apparently. Something mm. like that. In Japan, the Game Machine, which I guess is a magazine, listed 1943 in their July 15th, 1987 issue as being the most popular arcade game at it, at the time. And it went on to become Japan's second highest grossing table arcade game of 1987. Crazy. So this is the official 1943 arcade conversion. Not the 21% scoring 1943 one year after from Grieve Graphics that oh, we that, looked at that way back in episode 46. <laughs> that was the one where you were shooting ghosts, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not that. No, no, this is way better. That's got 21%. It's 9% better. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a vertical shoot 'em up or an attempt at one, anyway. It, um, in- a half-decent version of the arcade intro screen for the loading screen, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the crappy, blocky logo of the game title screen will welcome you nicely into what is to come, along with some pretty whiny music. Things aren't going to be great, from here, I'm telling you now. Um, it's F1 or F3 for one or two players, and so the game begins. Now... We've had a lot of vertical shooters that use the full screen or a good chunk of it. Yeah. They all scroll well and have uh, moving and animated sprites. 1942, for example, troubled though it was, had at least those parts reasonably well covered. Oh, I think. <laughs> Not so much this game. <laughs> the game window is a small square in the center of the main window with some text below that for score and lives, etc. The view, I see, uh, the view um, is as these games are, so it's a top-down view, obviously. It's badly realised and weirdly coloured combat aircraft will slowly launch and perform a really slow loop-de-loop <laughs> over what looks like the tuners above the nut part of a Fender guitar, which I'm guessing is meant to be an aircraft carrier. I, um, I, I think so. <laughs> why the deck is yellow and brown, 
Well, that's something only the artists here will ever really understand. <laughs> that was uh, to confuse and uh, the uh, you know the attacking Japanese fighters exactly. back in uh, exactly. 1943. Exactly. Like, exactly. It must just be a giant walnut. It's a, giant, it's a giant neck of a guitar. It's a giant fender. <laughs> um, enemy aircraft will then zoom, and I'm using that term very loosely over the over um, a less than smooth, I would say, jerky scrolling background with yeah. occasional clouds. Badly drawn clouds, though. When you draw clouds, you don't just draw a white sort of square squiggle and then put little cracks in it. That's not a cloud. I'm just saying. No, it needs a little bit more thought than that. Um, the enemy uh, planes look like they're on yo-yo strings because they, they dangle around more than shoot through the sky at you. And they're supposed to come in kind of waves, but most of the waves are shoot straight down, go off to the left. That's kind yeah. of that's kind of the pattern here. Destroying these will give you power ups that are little power letters which to upgrade your weapons. You'll soon be both powerful. <laughs> You will soon be both powerful and at the end of the extremely short levels, though. So you get the power up. You're like, well, I've got a power up. Dun, 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 end of level. Like, what, what, already? Yeah. <laughs> and then as the next level Judders interview, you will see more planes, mostly similar to you, only slightly darker shades of the same colour as you. And enemy ships, which will shoot at you from their brown decks. Um, and yeah. note, by the way, you don't get to keep your power up from level to level. So that no. resets kindly for you. So... You'll get towards the end of that level, which doesn't, by the way, indicated in any way. And so you're flying along, you think, oh, I'll get that power up. Ha! That was a pointless exercise, wasn't it? It's gone the second you get to the next level. The levels last about 10 seconds, maybe 15. If you're lucky. Crazy short. And you get like an interstitial between each one. Like, really? Yeah. I need to feel like I've achieved something other than take off and go, end of level. Well done. Well done. Now it's stage two. Mm, wow well done that was good stage we're all three. counting on you surely you can't be serious I am it is yeah surely these can't be the levels over macho grande I'll never be over macho grande <laughs> how he caved in no yeah how he came unglued no how he was a rock um, anyway and so it goes on mini levels after mini level after mini level you'll fly you'll see an interstitial you'll fly you might pick up a power up you'll see an interstitial airplanes will dangle down from the top of the screen and then boing back up again um, brown decked destroyer ships with three cannons on, badly animated, will fire at you. Maybe. I mean, I actually flew through an entire level where nothing, sh- nothing fired at me. Nothing. Nope. Yep. There was literally nothing firing at me. I was like, this is, uh, that's a short level, but it was easy. I mean, it didn't do anything. Um, I don't know. And I looked at the arcade um, on YouTube, and it's nothing like this whatsoever. <laughs> no. <laughs> this couldn't be not. further from the arcade if it tried. I mean, I'll, we'll agree that it involves aeroplanes of, of a sort. Well, that's as far as it goes. The arcade is frantic, shooting, crazy, explosive action with the ships are on fire and loads of drama. This, end of level. End of level. It's really crap. Really, really crap. Now, I take a great exception to this crappy conversion on a number of counts. Firstly, the relative emptiness, the crap graphics and sounds, and everything in the game and development and everything with the content is an abomination in every way that it can be. In every way, this is horrid. Every way. Also, the music, short and sweet and borderline okay, but I guess that's where it begins and ends is what you can say about that. It's, again, it's just totally forgettable. But the real clincher here is, the in, for me with this, is that it, this game is C64 territory. I mean, it's vertically scrolling with sprites shooting about on a machine that's got a chip designed to scroll and eight hardware sprites. Uh-huh. Now, how you go about making a game that has jerky scrolling on a machine that has a chip setting for smooth scrolling, especially in that direction, and the ability, even if you just kept it to eight sprites, even if that was your limit and you thought, I'm not doing a multiplexer because I don't even know what I'm doing. (laughs) Even if that was the case, you've got eight sprites, which means if you take your player out and you use characters for the bullets, 
and in this game, you know, that's principally what you're doing. Then you've still got the seven sprites, which you can use, you know, you can do seven, not yeah. the, the three or four that menace you in this bloody thing, <laughs> let alone the crappy ships. It's just this, for me, this was, it just, if you take the time and effort, you could create, you could have created a really good game for the C64 here. Instead, you have actually created a literal piece of programming shit. That's what you've created. <laughs> now, this scored, how it scored 41% is absolutely beyond me. This is not just terrible. With all the games that we've it's played in all of the time. Sorry, yeah. Um, why have I written 41? Because that's what. the next one. <laughs> oh, that's probably why. <laughs> so, what? yeah, it is. God, yeah, it's super scores. So how this scored 30%, how this scored a percent really is beyond me because it's terrible. Now it feels, not only does it feel unfinished and I suspect it probably is or rushed. All right, eliding all of that. There are some things you can't forgive. We've played a lot of upward scrolling games on the C64. By now, the uh, the way of making the screen scroll, I think we've got that sort of sorted. There's, there's been loads of budget games we've played where the game hasn't been great, but the scrolling's never been a problem. Also, yeah. we've played loads of games where there's sprites coming at you and shooting at you. Loads of top-down shooters, loads of them. Not all of them were successful, but l- all of them competent enough to get those two basic things right. What they weren't was slow on a game that's based around its speed. I mean, you're flying an airplane on a military battle, and it's also based sort of on historical battles as well. It's all a little bit unforgivable for me. And then to expect people to play full whack for this, I think you're dreaming. This is just, it's a blatant, blatant ripoff. Even uh-huh. back then, I mean, I, I cannot imagine any planet where this scores anything other than, you know, just in maybe 8 or 9%. This, uh, there needs to be a clear message sent that this kind of crappy arcade conversion is not tolerated. They will not tolerate them on a machine that has done and has proven to do so much better. Um, there's nothing to like with this. It's another in a long line of crap arcade conversions on a machine that has proven that it has the chops to do it. Take a note, take a tip back, save your money, and go and buy any one of the other shooters that were played recently that were way better than this, including Armalite. I know it's not the same you know, orientation, but it's a lot better and a lot yeah. more fun than this piece of shit. Um, this game can do one. Um, but what did you think? Yeah, it's a real. This is a real monkey's paw example, isn't it? We said, give yep. us shorter levels. And they did. You did actually say that, didn't you? You did. <laughs> no, you did. You were saying that because you said it a few times. Like, oh, it's got really long levels. If they <laughs> yeah, just cut them in half, half, it's much better. Did. Give us shorter levels. They did. They oh listened. God, we did. Back, back then, they listened to the time machine vortex and went, okay, we'll give you shorter levels. These are so short. They blink. You blink and miss them. Like you said, you take off. There's an enemy. And you go, oh, well done. Like, I didn't do anything. I did nothing. And there's nothing to do. There's no challenge in this. I mean, I walked through it. You know, I got bored. I got bored before I got to the end of the 30-second level. There's 32 levels. I got bored before I got there. Yep. And I, want, yep. I don't think I, I, I lost one life, I think, and that's because I wanted to see if, it, if you could, if I was actually had some kind of trainer on or something. I thought, can I die? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I can. Okay. Just ridiculous. This was... Yeah, it's got visuals that make a 1984 game blush. Yep. Um, just dreadful. It's just well, River Raid was better than this. Yeah, now, that, one, was that, that one we played. Yeah, it was. Yeah, what was that one we played the other week? That one from the guy who did Spin Dizzy. It was a one great, but it was all right. Yeah, yeah, well, it's way better than that. It's way better than this. But you know, this is a complete stinker. Hook, hook, line, and stinker to go with the naval, um, you know, the naval theme in here. We're, we're a washing, scrolling schmups, whether vertical or horizontal. Yep. So foisting this out in the public is criminal. Trained on the name alone, you know. Oh, it's 1943. It's the okay. Hopefully, though, by by now, people are sort of getting. You know, I would have thought people are getting a bit like. You know what? Just because it's got the arcade thing, mm. we've had a yeah, lot well, of people, crap cage shit. Well, this is people are going to start to wonder if it wasn't Crapcom, not Capcom. Yeah, true. Yeah, 
an awful conversion and an awful game, shamed by numerous budget releases, let alone the big full prices like Armalite, Salamander, and so on. Just atrocious, flickery, ugly mess. Awful, awful. I thought this is go. Yeah, they can go and do one as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Oh, dreadful. This was awful. 30% is, you know, that's t- too kind. Too kind. Yep. Single figures. Yeah. I mean, that's nearly 1% per level, and it's too much because they're only half levels. So have them. Sixteen percent. Even that. You just I've, in the space of time you've been talking, I've completed ninety levels of that game. <laughs> and I'm not even playing it. <laughs> well done, well done. It's the Ewok. Well it's, it sounds like an Ewok. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Take off land. Take off it's, land. It's Ewoks praying at C3PO. Uh, uh. Is he playing a game? He's done six levels of this already. How's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Awful, terrible thing. Crap. 1940 crap. There we go. That's 1943. <laughs> Big round of applause. Let's move on to our next one. We've got two left. <sighs> this is final assault. This is another full price. This is um, anyway. But yeah. Uh, just before we get going on this, I'm just going to give a shout out to the crack we had for this from Nostalgia, which had a, an mm. amazing version of the Final Fantasy opening theme on it. An absolute cracking indeed. version of it. Brilliant version of that tune. I've sat listening to it for ages. That theme has a lot of memories for me because I played so much Final Fantasy VII back in the day. That as soon as I heard it, I was like, that's Final Fantasy. Why am I, why am I hearing a Final Fantasy tune on a C64? But, uh, also, also, the zip of this was called Final Ass, which is a film I think I saw once. <laughs> <laughs> Once <laughs> just made me laugh. <laughs> Open it up to final ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We're nothing if not highbrow. Anyway, mountain climbing. That's what we have here. So, uh, this seems to be the US version of the original title, which was Sha- Chamonix. Is it Chamonix? Chamonix Challenge? Um, yeah, on, like that. Uh, I think that's what it's called in Germany, I think. And, may, and but it may it was called Bivouac, I think, in France. So it's got a few titles this Bivouac, Chamonix Challenge, Final Assault, Final Ass, whatever. Uh, this version was been released by Epics, and uh, like I said, but was the original version was made by Infograms. We remember Infograms, don't we? Music is by Charles Calais. You may remember him from Lee Enfield and Sidewalk. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to come out here and say that this game is odd and the control system is over-designed and overly complicated. <laughs> just, yeah, just to give you just a, a heads up. Um, but we'll come to those bits in a moment. So it's a big old multi-load disc. It was disc only, I think. Um, when this finally loads, we have a confusing menu system. Well, it might have been on tape as well, but we did play, we played with disc. I can't imagine what this is like on tape. A nightmare. Um, when it finally loads, we have a confusing menu system where we've got first choose how many climbs we want to make. Now, you can control this with keys... Um, or a dot, like this moving dot that sort of hyperspeeds across the uh, across the screen at the sort of, you know, just the flick of the joystick sort of goes vroom, vroom, across the screen. You're like, oh, ah, no, I just <laughs> want to move there. Just just move there. Oh, I've overshot again. But you can just press the sort of uh, initials of any of the options that you've got. So it's probably best to control this through keyboard, and that sort of makes sense for a lot of this, actually. Um, so, yeah, so we've got, uh, we can choose how many climbs you want to make. I think one, two, or three, I think. Uh, or we can do some training, or we can resume a previous climb. We're then asked our name, what time we want to set out. Why would you want to set out in the middle of the night? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> set out in the morning, you know, after breakfast. What time of the year? Summer or winter? Why go in the winter? It's going to be harder. 
Um, we've got they've got six routes up the mountain, which are represented with a so these are represented with a side on view of the, of the said mountain. There's a big sort of mountain range, and there's these lines that go in up it that represent different routes up the mountain. It doesn't really mean much if you don't know anything about mountain climbing. It's just like routes up a mountain. There's just lines up a you know a grey crack, grey blob that's on the screen. So it's impossible to judge what it's like really. So we can choose which one and select it. Then we can pack our rucksack with loads of different items. Um, this is confusing because I kept clicking, clicking on them, and you can you have to actually press space, I think it is, and then you can clear everything out and buy it and get what you want. It's an, it's a, a confusing menu system, let's put it that way. But there are loads of different items, range from ropes, ice pins, pitons and straps to crampons, soft shoes, a helmet, anorak, a gas stove, matches, rum. I don't think rum's a good idea to take up on a mountain climbing, if I'm perfectly no, honest. I, I mean, it might, might keep it. you warm, I suppose. Uh, there's food and drink, which is probably a better idea, and loads of other stuff, tons of dust. All this weighs an amount, so you need to make sure not to carry too much, because I don't know if you carry too much, but we drag you off the side of the mountain, I guess. Uh, but you need enough to survive the climb, so you need to work out the right amount with no knowledge of what is to come at all. So you don't know. You don't know what the good stuff is. you just got these options and stuff. It reminded me of that other Epics game, 4x4 Off-Road Racing, um, where you had yep. to choose loads of stuff with no information on what's necessary. You're like, yep. okay, so, you know, give me a give me an in here. Tell me th- we suggest this. It's like because when you first do it, the, the rucksack is packed with stuff. You're like, oh, I don't know. Um, once that's done, you're onto the game itself, and we now get to our control our climber as the attempt to ascend up the mountain. Here, the screen is split into two sections. The bottom half of which has some information with the time, the altitude, and the temperature, along with access to your bag. If you press the space bar again, unintuitive. Don't say to do that sort of thing. And you think you just—it's not very—it's comf- not very user-friendly. This and all those things you packed in it. At the top, we can see our climber, and now you have to walk them first across some flat sections at the base of the mountain. You do this with alternate left and right movements that correspond to the climber's legs. Now, this is confusing at first because the first movement you have to do to move right is move left. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, this This is this is not intuitive. Why no. can't I just hold right? Yes. I mean, I know it... It would make more sense. Why do I have just, to plod? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, I'm not playing an epic sports game where timing is yeah. a sort of thing. I'm just walking across a mountain flat thing. So, but no, yeah. left, right, left, right. So, don't make me do this. Um, I didn't like that at all. On the uh, on the next one, there's some gaps to be jumped across, and you have to press up to do a heroic leap. The heroic bound is back. <laughs> it's a mighty bound. It's like, <laughs> as he flies across, <laughs> complete with a really full rucksack. I mean, he's strong. He's got he some good old strong, strong thighs. Strong again, strong legs. Yeah, he's strong. He's <laughs> strong on his thighs. Um, <laughs> and then... If you fall down a gap, though, you plunge down. I'm not sure if this is automatic, but I kind of I fell down a couple of times. You just cling on at the bottom and then have to climb back up, and then you're back at the top. I don't yeah, know if you, you can, can actually you fall. Can, you, you can grab. You can actually grab halfway down and pin your oh, right. axe, I don't... snow axe into the thing and oh, climb from know. there if you're quick. I, don't know. I didn't. I just you, you don't die anyway. You just go down a bit and then you come back up. Um, let's try the screen again. So if you make it through these scintillating challenges, you get to actually start the climb itself. We haven't even got to the climbing yet. So this climbing animation, you see your climber on the side of the mountain, and the sort of UI now has moved off to the right, I think, or the left. It's on the one side of the screen. Mm. Um, so now you're sort of hanging onto the side of the mountain. There's a side on view, um, and you press up until the climbers hammered both climbing hammers into the ice. Then you pull down to raise one leg, and then you press the fire to move up about five pixels, and then you repeat <laughs> and repeat. It's stupid. It's a stupid control system. It's like, I don't want to do this. None of this is enjoyable. At the top of the screen, you move on to another one and do it again. Oh, for God's sake. 
It's not done, though. You make it past these, and then you get another climbing section where you see the climber from behind, and you control all four limbs, moving them about to get purchased on the surface. And some of those limb movements look mighty unnatural and painful to me. <laughs> I had a twister. I had them straight. Yeah, it's like mountain twister. That's not a good place to be on the side of a mountain. Like, <laughs> why is my leg? <laughs> why is my it's like, I'm, joints well, don't move bend like that, that. way. <laughs> joints don't have, you know, ball joints. They no. don't move that way properly normally anyway. You know, no. it's not it's not right. It made me go, oh, you know, when you look at a body, <laughs> oh. you go, oh, that shouldn't be. Yeah. Oh, snap it, snappage. There's a lot in this episode where things shouldn't be, that that's not how things happen. And this is another one of those. Those, those limbs are not moving like any human I've ever seen. Um, the problem was um, it just is slow and boring. I gave up at this point. I'm like, oh, this is yeah. boring. Really, really, really boring. Um, it's so slow, so slow. It's just slow moving anything. You're trying to get anywhere up this mountain is, I don't know, I get it. It's mountain climbing. It's not going to be fast, but, but why do it? It's dull. This is utterly lifeless. The control system is boring and stupid. There's no satisfaction in ascending upwards. And trying to wrestle your limbs into a position to climb is just its just ridiculous. There's no real payoff for going through the choices at the beginning. It's just the same. I just tried different versions. I got the same. Tried different things. I was climbing for a bit. And then, then my, my guy, halfway at the mountainside, just went, I am thirsty. Well, <laughs> tough shit. You're going to have to wait till we get to a flat bit. <laughs> I know you have some kind of weird multi multi sort of jointed arm, but I can't reach into the backpack right here and get you a no. drink. Just wait. I am thirsty. Don't care. <laughs> you don't have to deal with it. You can go like five days without water. You've been gone an hour. <laughs> Stupid idiot. Um, the main sprite is okay. I guess the main sprite is okay when you sort of go left to right. The, the, the one where you're climbing up is, is ridiculous because the legs and stuff don't work. But the background's a real mess of colours and shapes, not very pleasant to look at. They're all the, the mountainside is just this horrible grey mass. The, the, and then there's the sort of ground and snow bits. They look better on that pro ski simulator. Yeah. The main title screen tune is okay. I guess it's actually not too bad a piece by Mr. Calais or whatever yeah, his name all right. is. It's all right. But the rest of the game is, but the rest of the game is like, I, I, speakers. Hello. Is there any sound here? <laughs> it's very quiet. There's nothing. There's no, there's no ambience. There's no atmosphere. It could have been, if you go to the mountain, you could have had a bit of just some noise, a bit of wind or anything like that. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing to keep you entertained. Anyway, boredom just sets in quicker than frostbite. This is not one to go back to. Just a dull and ultimately pointless endeavour and representation of a sport that sole prerequisite is doing it because it's there. You know, that's what mountain climbers say, isn't it? Why would you climb that mountain? Because it's there. Okay, well, that, yeah. that's here. There's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing there. Why are you playing this? I don't know. There's nothing there. A load of boring, overly complicated controls. Final ass was better. <laughs> that's uh, all I've got to say about this. How did you find your final assault? I wish it was my final um, assault. I thought final assault sounds like a really cheap, late 80s movie like with Glenn Close and somebody didn't it it just <laughs> yeah, sounds like probably. one of those sort of movies you know um, the music that you're referencing in there by the way the Final Fantasy music is by a chap called Glenn Rune Galafoss ah right okay um, from, the, from the group Nostalgia so it's uh, done in 2002 ah okay um, but yes very good it is indeed do 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 that one yes. very good um, so 41% was it this I mean <laughs> What the hell was that title screen? Giant scrolling words. I mean, I suppose it's different, kind of demo-like, and it's. I suppose it's different, but anyway. Oh, yeah, I and forgot the, to mention that thing. I actually thought that was actually part of the demo intro, the crack intro. Yeah, I, I did sure. for a while, but is it is it part of that? I don't know. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Anyway, anyway, um, weird title music, but good. Nice sounds, actually. Okay. Yeah. Lots of, lots of loading, though, in this kind of... The loading was a bit heavy, wasn't it? So it was loading mm-hmm. this and loading that. 
loads of options. So much, so many options. So that your roots and your backpans and your stuff and your what do you need? You know, what kind of socks do you need? Do you need a thick yarn, a small? What shoe size are you? I don't know. I don't know. I've never climbed a mountain. I don't know what you need. Just give I me- would imagine the one thing that was missing off there was Kendall's mint cake, which I'm pretty sure is something that's very important. Where's the mint cake, damn it? No mint cake. I ain't going on the damn trip. That's all I came all right? for. I, came for- <laughs> I didn't come for any of that crap. Give me the mint cake. To hell with you if you haven't got it. Um, I didn't like the controls in this. I liked. The, I sort of liked. I got used to the way it looked. I thought it, it looked again. It looked. It looked wintry, and it looked kind of like it looked like you were doing what you're doing. All right. It felt like it was a little bit of a the event that never made it into one of the, the uh, winter games thing. The yeah. games winter edition. Um, so the waggle to walk thing was weird. And <laughs> that's that one. I kept falling through the ice because you could poke the ice, can't you? Poke the snow with your pokey pokey stick. Yeah. Is it safe? Pokey pokey poke. Is it safe? Poke poke poke. Oh, it isn't. Ah, I fell down anyway because I was <laughs> jumping thing just completely through me every time. So from an outsider's observer's point of view, I just walked along, made sure that I'd poked a hole in the snow and jumped <laughs> and in fell it. Down it. <laughs> Blatantly <laughs> fell in it and hacked my way out on a silly slope. Um, and if you didn't make that, by the way, you could die and you fell down a long trip, like a long grey cave thing. And then it was like a really overlong sequence where, where you stopped died and it like scrolled a message and you got all this long stuff. Oh, right. I never died. And then so, so you can't, so you can't, then you start basically start the whole game again. So, oh, great. So, um, as like I said, and I, I sort of hacked and plodded my way through the, this as best I could, doing my heroic leap, periodically just jumping into a crevice and climbing my way out. It's all a bit, and this is because I didn't have the right equipment, clearly. Um, and I started to get a bit bored of that, doing that, because I've, I've died a few times and it loads it back in as well. There's loading in amongst all that. I was like, oh, it's just a bit painful. That. And then I just thought, as I got to the sort of next bits, just the controls get stupider and stupider. For, yeah. And every time they increase the complexity of how to control your, your little dude, um, it, the game starts to get more boring with every 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 extra control they add. You know, the, the point of these kind of games, I get it. Like you said, you know, you climb a mountain. I don't expect that to be easy, but... Make the hazards of the game the game, not the controls of the game the game. I shouldn't have to be, you know, this isn't a game of Final Assault sounds exciting. What it isn't is use the controls that you have disposal to climb up a mountain, but and then just increasing the complexity of the controls. You know, if they said that, if they described it by level 10, the controls are so complex you'll want to tie your hands in or not. <laughs> you, must like, control, you, know. you must control each finger. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, and, where do you go with it? And choose when to breathe. <laughs> exactly. And then amongst all and, that, it keeps going, I am thirsty. <laughs> Sort just, off. I sort of get, I get the, I get the idea of what they were thinking. I get it, and and some in a, in a way they kind of capture it because I imagine you know if you're into this kind of thing, doing it in you know in for real, like it's probably very exciting and you yeah, know, frightening, it is. And daunting. Yeah. Um, but in this, take all that you know excitement away, <laughs> and it is just an exercise in controlling somebody at five pixel increments, and that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not fun for anybody. With, with with limbs that would make a mannequin like uh, no, by the time I got to that point I thought if I felt awkward because I thought if I move that arm that is breaking his arm what I'm doing yeah and I'm just you know and I felt you know you've seen the move the remake of the movie Suspiria where they the dance a woman gets all contorted and cracked and broken yeah I felt like I was doing that to him I'm thinking oh god I felt that I already dropped him down three giant you know <laughs> holes in the snow and glacier holes and hacked my way out again I feel bad for now snapping his limbs and breaking his ankle. <laughs> You know, anyway, I, I got tired of just endlessly trying to control the game, and I almost forgot what I was doing, really. Yeah, um, and that's never a good thing, is it? So now, final assault, not for me. Um, it was forty-one uh, percent is a, probably a, about right for what it is because it's kind of a snowy, boring control system. Other than that, nothing much to it. So no, yeah. final ass. 
Like I said, yep. final ass. Yep. <laughs> there we go. It's final assault. Oh, we've got one more left. Can this episode be salvaged? Can it? Let's find out. <laughs> Graham, bubble ghost. <laughs> well, in answer to your question, can it be savaged? Um, all things point to no. <laughs> all things point to no, really, with that. Um, I mean, goodness me, bubble ghost. <laughs> God's sake. I don't what really I don't understand what goes through people's minds with things. This is de- published by Accolade, believe it or not. Yeah. Developed by the Programming Partnership. Now, if that isn't a blatant way of not naming who did it, I don't know what it is. But anyway. Um so <laughs> Uh, right, I'll just read the, the paragraph of blurb that's in the instructions. Uh-huh. Um, the crazy inventor Heinrich von Stinker is dead. <laughs> or so Who? we thought. Who? He- he- Heinrich von Stinker. <laughs> God. <laughs> or so we thought until the night. What? I've got. Nice. Heinrich von Stinker in the Nice Watchman. <laughs> or so we thought until the Night Watchman told us his fantastic tale of the haunting of von Stinker's old castle. Yes. It's been confirmed. Heinrich's spirit, a.k.a. Bubble Ghost, <laughs> for convenience purposes, I'm guessing, yeah, yeah, has he... been seen <laughs> blowing a bubble throughout the macabre halls of his intestinal... I can't speak today. Heinrich's spirit, a.k.a. Bubble Ghost, why is he called that? We don't know. Has been seen blowing a bubble throughout the macabre halls of his ancestral home. Why? <laughs> ghost, that isn't the way ghosts work. <laughs> ghosts, from, under my estimation... Don't haunt people by blowing bubbles around. <laughs> Would explain a <sighs> lot. Your job is to help Bubble Ghost move the bubble through the 35 rooms of the castle, past all the mad inventions of Von Stinker. Once the little ghost <laughs> makes it through, the haunting will cease. But isn't the go- it's the ghost of Von Stinker. That's blowing the bubble. So it's the ghost trying to commit suicide in some, in some weird way. He's already oh, dead. Just... Anyway, Bubble Ghost is indestructible. He can touch and cross over any object without injury. Unfortunately, the bubble is not so lucky. If it touches any object, it pops. Um, And it says a special note in the instructions, the ghost may touch the bubble without popping it. (laughs) You start with six (laughs) bubbles, five in your bubble pouch, plus one you are blowing on. (laughs) Oh, dear. But you can get more. See extra lives. The number of bubbles shown at the bottom of the screen indicates the number of bubbles in your bubble pouch. Okay? Yep. To move the bubble... Bubble Ghost must blow on it to blow. Hold the joystick. Oh, who, write, who writes this? <laughs> who writes this shit? <laughs> to blow, do it slowly. Do, do, it, do, do some it, it says, hold the joystick in the centre position and press the joystick button. I'm pretty sure I've heard... I'm, I'm not even going to crack a joke about that. Though, no, that's, it's, just, it's, too, it's rich material. The sauce is too easy. It's too easy, Adrian. It's too easy. <laughs> this is an episode with uh, brown helmets and final ass in it too. Don't forget. I know. I can't, my wife's in the room. I can't say the joke I was going to say. It's <laughs> terrible. The distance between the bubble and the ghost affects the strength of the blowing action. <laughs> the closer they are, the more the bubble moves. <laughs> don't blow too long without letting bubble ghost breathe. <laughs> or he'll turn red in the face and you'll lose points. That's just general advice in all situations where you might find that that advice works. Yeah, true. Yeah. In addition to blowing the bubble, bubble ghosts must blow on objects in the castle to clear the way for the bubble. See tricks and techniques. I'm not going to go into those tricks and techniques um, because I don't want to. Um, it's really silly. So there is a chapter there on effective breathing techniques as well. If you- <laughs> in out. <laughs> in out, yeah. 
In the tricks and techniques section, by the way, it says, in addition to secret passageways, there are other mysteries in the castle. Bubble ghosts must blow on certain objects that clear the way for the bubble. We don't want to give it all away, but if a candle was making things a little too hot for you, what would you do? And what about the fans? You'll never get by unless you discover their secret. Check out the box the manual came in for some quick trumpet lessons. These hints should put you on the right track. <laughs> trumpet lessons? <laughs> <laughs> and then just as a thing I think you might find interesting, it says at the re- very end of here, in the credits a little bit, Bubble Ghost was designed and programmed by those crazy guys at Infograms in scenic France. Uh-huh. They'll explains everything. <laughs> Yeah. They're the one, same ones who brought you Pinball Wizard. That explains it all. Okay, okay, enough of that. I mean, first thing with this, I mean, oh my God, the music, that music. Ah! I don't think you can, ah. call, it, I don't think you can call it that, can you? It, no, you can't. Commodore font title screens, Adrian. We're in 1988 now. Yeah. People have the ability to draw typefaces and use them easily. You can change the character set ever so easily in a Commodore 64. It has a setting for it and everything. Yep. Um, then the game is there <laughs> and the annoying sound effects in that game actually had me shouting make it stop um, <laughs> They're not great. to which everyone in the house thought what's he doing and it's very <laughs> difficult to explain that you're playing a game where you have to blow bubbles and you get you know don't get red in the face and all that so where do you begin with where, i mean where do you begin with this bloody horrific thing the game is a flick screen puzzler where you control a ghost that blows a bubble around great being being careful to avoid hazards that will pop your bubble <laughs> yep you control the ghost with the joystick moving around in jerky mode. He's a jerk and he just moves around in jerky mode. Um, so you move it around that way, holding the fire button and moving the joystick to rotate the ghost for better blowing angles. That's what you do. <laughs> move your joystick for a better blowing angle. It's that That's, scene. Isn't it that scene from Ghostbusters? <laughs> it's exactly that. And then you press fire to blow. Um, <laughs> when you do this, it will propel the bubble around and your aim is to get the bubble safely to the exit bit on each screen, which is normally off to the left. You start at the right, generally. Yeah. Um, stopping you are, of course, spikes, candles, and generally things that are hazardous to you or your bubble, including walls and everything. Everything is hazardous to your bubble, everything. Which is true to real life. Yes, yes, bubbles are not known for their robust, you know, robustness, are they? Nope. The, the main game window um, is sort of the, the greater chunk of this, actually, with the level drawn in high res and a sort of a medium res mix a little. At the bottom is the logo, the high score, hall number, and the number of bubbles you bubbles you have remaining. If you start off with five, remember, one in your pouch. Five in your pouch, one on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have some credits, etc. So, you know, it's just terrific. in case you forgot who made the game, there they are again. Yep. The ghost is a high res thing, which looks weird when it rotates. It kind of distorts its shape weirdly. So instead of just having a sprite and rotating it on, you know, from the center, this thing kind of goes. <laughs> I was like, ah, why is it longer at that angle? Why is it? Sh- what? It's a ghost. So I don't. Something went wrong with the rotation. Something went badly wrong. Um, and the bubble is also a high risk thing. It's space, so it's basically a white outline with some wibble animation, which is pretty, pretty what the ghost is. It's a solid white wibble with a sort of ghostly face on it. Ghostly face. On uh, some of the others, you have mini puzzles to work out. They're not that hard, really, to work out challenging. These would challenge maybe an ape, um, <laughs> but your average human, when they see a candle and you're in a game called, um, you know, ghost bubble, but you've got to blow things around, <clears throat> bubble ghost, um, it's not out of the realms of, you know, possibility to think, maybe I need to blow that candle out. Mm-hmm. Just saying. It's not not like it's hard to figure out. Um, so, in fact, most of the most of the challenges in this, since you, your only action really is blow, they all involve kind of blowing and stuff. They so do. This, this, this is a game... I think possibly with the most blowing we've ever had. 
which is uh, interesting in, in of itself. Yeah, I so can't the, think of the, another. It's, it's the blowiest game, because remember in Dragons there, there was a bit of blowing, but this has got more blowing in it. I think this is significantly you, more. But that was you being blown. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was. <laughs> and we were playing the game as well. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of the game, really. That's it, that's it. You go from room to room, hall to hall, trying to blow your bubble across the hazards to try and get it to the exit thing and things will try and stop you and there's bonus things and loads of stuff you won't be interested in. Loads of it. Um, now, I think there's a germ of an idea. There's a germ in there somewhere, a, you know, as an arcade kind of puzzler, maybe. Um, and I think this is a conversion because it's out on the 16-bit formats. Now, I don't know if this one came first or the 16-bit one came first. They actually look kind of identical. They don't look that dissimilar to each other, weirdly. So no, either the Amiga version's a really crap version of the C64 or the C64's a really crap version of the Amiga. Neither of them are great, but they, you know, they are what they are. The C64 is generally more capable of creating the look and feel for this kind of thing better than this. So if you, you know, if you're going to create creepy, spooky backgrounds and things like that, just take a look at Cauldron or Cauldron 2 or any of those kind of games that have that kind of creepy vibe or haunting castle vibe. And they do all do it better than this. So that's obviously the route to do it. You know, that kind of combination. So this one doesn't really have any of that. So I felt that the C, you know, generally the C64 is better, better, can do better. And the sprites as well, they could be smoother. The move, moving the ghost around is a bit jerky, which is odd. You think you have to work hard to make scrolls, um, to make sprites scroll jerkily on a C64. You have to actually, I don't know how, even how you do it. Um, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, maybe they're just not moving them in very, you know, one pixel increments or something. But anyway, it, it is what it is. The audio is just plain fucking annoying in every level it can be. <laughs> every single hall has a different sound that's designed to drill so far into your brain that it's like being trepanned by the C64 on every screen. It's awful in a way that I can't really explain. Experience it for yourself, but don't do it for too long, I think, because I think that is the... The, the route to our madness. I'm pretty sure it's one of those sounds that perpetually you know, designed to drive you mad. Um, there's like, there's a few sounds that, um, you know, that are designed to do that. Aren't there? Under the hood, there might be a gentle puzzler in here, I guess, maybe for kids or something. I don't know. It's got that kind of feel, but Casper, the friendly ghost kind of vibe about it. Um, with a bit of Rasmataz, maybe it could have done a bit more of that. I mean, I don't know. Talk about a game that's just crying out for more production. Give it some spooky sounds, spooky sounds, not crazy sounds, spooky sounds or speech or anything that would have given it a little bit more... I mean, even as simple as it is, in Cauldron 2, you get that... And the witch's cackle and all that kind of thing. Mm. You can't tell me the C64 can't do thematic sound effects of things. Think of Impossible Mission um, with the sound of the lab and all that kind of stuff. Or Paradroid or any of those games that have atmospheric sounds. Mm-hmm. It's the one yep. thing that C64 can do very well. What you don't need to do is create torturous things. And then just to create spooky looking things. You know, I think there's mileage in a game where you have to get an object from A to B in a challenging puzzle-like environment, whether it's a bubble or otherwise. I think there's mileage in that. It just didn't play out very well and it didn't look the part. It felt a bit empty and a bit unfinished and unpolished, which is odd for an Acclide game. So what we end up with is a wibbly-wobbly, somewhat dreary game that is clearly missing something altogether. It's missing something about it. And it's quite difficult as well. Um, you know, those first couple of screens, you'll have no problem getting the, you know, blowing the bubble around, but they, they, it does get very, very difficult because the bubble has inertia, so and you can't move as fast as that when it goes too far, and you, you just you, you'll end up coming undone quite quickly with that. And I couldn't, and I wondered if this is because maybe it was designed for mouse control, and so you can you know quickly move a mouse around and maneuver the ghost around. Maybe that's how it works in the Amiga. I didn't, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, long on the short of all of that, it looked pretty much exactly like the Amiga version. Anyway, um, I don't know. I just found this quite annoying. Maybe it's a young person's game, but I don't know. Is it? Um, it wasn't a young person's game price, though, was it? Ten quids. So on your yeah. bike for me. Um, I imagine ten pound for a game 
that features a lot of blowing and may well have caught the attention of teenagers for all the wrong reasons. Um, this is not really any fun or indeed funny. It's just an oddity, really, and a bit of a weird one for towards the end of 1988. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Just as I say, by the way, just if you look in the agenda, I've put the original cover for this in from the Terrier's T. You might want to have a look at that. It's, uh, yeah, I'll have a look. It's a very angry ghost. doesn't seem to sort of be replicative of the... Yeah, it's not very chirpy, is he? Yeah, he's also holding up. the bubble. It, look, it looks like some kind of the... the uh, what's it called? The, uh, oh, yeah, the, that's a demon-looking thing, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like the uh, the orb from the Lord of the Rings film as well, the Palantir that yes, he's holding. Not does, a bubble. Yeah. Certainly not like a bubble. Anyway, yeah, so that was the original cover. Um, I don't know whether I was at a state by when I played this that having gone through the previous six games, I was looking for the good in anything. Because I actually, I didn't mind this. I think if I have to pick one from this week, it's probably this. Yeah, yeah. No, so there's, there's a germ of a game in there. It just didn't. Yeah, it's quite an oddity. And it is, as you weird. said, it's rough around the edges. It's okay. It's, 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 it's Essentially, it's a lower resin, jerkier version of the Amiga version. Um, yeah. Weirdly, there's a, this also came out in the Game Boy. Oh, bizarre. Yeah. So there's, there's It's not at, a bad premise for a game. Actually, yeah, it's not terrible. So, I mean, it's, yes, it's on, the, uh, it's on the Game Boy as well. So, you know, but the, like I said, the main premise is exactly the same. All versions look exactly the same. The Game Boy version looks a lot cuter. It looks quite cute on the um, Game Boy version. Um, I quite like some of the ideas, like having to go and blow the candles out and the solving the puzzles with, you know, what can you do with, you know, how can you use blowing as a mechanic? And so, okay, as a ghost, you can't really touch anything, so you can just, all you can do is emit sound. I, I don't mind. It's got an odd look to it. Like you said, though, the sound is a thing of horror. Um, it's a literal thing of horror. There's sounds in this that I was just like, ah, is my sound card broken? What's happened? But is, is something gone on horribly wrong? But yeah, it's, but at least it gives you the option to turn it off, which I did. Um, I never played this on the Amiga, but I did have a quick YouTube look at it. It's the same game, only a lot smoother, and as you would expect, 16-bit. So it's a lot smoother. It's not as jerky. It yeah. looks nicer. The bubble's nicely more nicely animated. It's exactly what you want, but essentially it's just, it looks like the same game. If you're going to go play it, play one of those, play the Amiga version now. But, you know, there's actually also as well, according to uh, Moby Games, um, there was a release for Windows um, in 2018. Just kind of Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So, you know, so there's obviously some mileage. It's one of those sort of games that I could almost see it working really well on mobile. I mean, it's not, it's not, like I said, there is a germ of an idea there, but just this is i think it may be that audio that drove me away from this quicker yeah. it really is horrible you are right the audio is terrible and i think that it's a pro- it's a problem with it there's a there's a like you said it's a germ of an interesting sort of you know you having to blow this bubble and the bubble can't touch anything and you can go through anything so there's kind of sort of a balance there and you know and i quite like the way that the bubble had a bit of inertia on it so you could hold down and mm. blow it harder and faster and then it would and it would slow down and stop there was some nice touch it's not terrible the amiga version is the way to go though this is not a terrible alternative back then it's perfectly average 62 percent 995 is a bit much for a really kind of simplish puzzler like this i think i don't know uh yeah it is what it is though but yeah it is unfortunately the best of the week <laughs> <laughs> which is you know i know damning with faint praise but everything else we've played has been final ass um so there you go bubble bubble ghost i think i think you know i got into i think it's like some i think i had some kind of version of stockholm syndrome going on um (laughs) where i was just like anything that was fairly decent i was gonna like and bubble ghost came at the end and that was that basically oh dear there we go that's it. That's this week. Christ on a bike. That was Pro Skateboard Simulator. 
Peter Pierce's International Football, soccer, whatever it was, Battle Island, Pro Ski Simulator, 1943, Final Assault, and Bubble Ghost. <laughs> Don't dare not a looker among them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it comes to it comes to a, a, you know a much when you the highlight is a game where you're blowing a bubble around. Yeah. Out of all them simulator games and final assaults and Battle Island, a game where you're blowing a bloody bubble around. You're like, all right, all right, you win. You win. You win this time. Um, Yeah, so, yeah. good Lord. I think that's, we were saying this one before we started, but I actually do believe that I think that's the worst selection of games we've had with nothing. It's been a while since we had we had to, that dre- I can't remember when it was, but we had a real dreary patch one time when we really were chugging, and it started to feel a bit like that with these. So there was, I think there was sort of mid eighty five when I think we had an episode with only we had a couple of episodes with only six episodes in. Yeah, I think we had Jeff Cape Strongman around that time and things like that. But yeah. I think also in those episodes there was alter ego and stuff. So yeah, maybe. you know, stellar games. But here, there's just naff all, is there? Just nothing. Yeah. So one can only apologise. We can only review what's there. We can only look out. You know, some of these games at seventy percent, which is why they get up against. And it's what it is. There we go. Well, <laughs> that's we're nearly through, Graham. We're nearly through December. We have. Oh, no. uh, it's not long now. Uh, we have one week left. Uh, coming up next week, we've got fifth gear. Around the world in eighty days. Joe Blade yeah. Two, Savage, Savage, <laughs> Savage, Savage. <laughs> Super Dragon Slayer, <laughs> uh, NATO Assault Course. I don't know what to make of that. Um, and Cheapskate to round things off with. That's mm. our seven for next week. It could be better. It could be worse. Who knows? Who knows? I'm not holding out much hope. I don't think 1988 is going to end on a big old high. <laughs> it was you hoping you for that, that one of those last few games to come in no. and knock us off a sock? I don't it's happening i don't think it is no no if you wish to support the podcast to help us get us through this lot please do please do by going to if you wish to go uh, by going to patreon.com forward slash uh zap to the past and you can chuck us just a little under a five sort of thing that gets you access to the episodes early any bonus episodes we might put out full episode stuff opportunities to ask us questions for the ask the podcast episodes we do you get to join us for crazy things when we do things like the episode 100 specials advert free Anything else I forgot? Yeah. Well, we've got um, the Breadbin Awards coming up, and they get a vote in that, don't oh, they? Oh yeah, so. yes, there's the Breadbin Awards, so our you know, the patrons will get a say in that as well. They'll have a, we'll see what they think of that. So if you want a piece of all that, head over to zap, uh, patreon.com forward slash zap to the past. All of the links you can find on our website and links and in the show notes and things like that. <sighs> I can't. I can't do much more for this episode. I can't. No. I can't. I cannot find the energy you've or got, enthusiasm. You've gone. You've got. You've gone very red faced. Do you uh, just relax with your blowing? <laughs> I'm just like. I'm trying just to like go. Rele- uh, release the grip of your joystick a little. <laughs> twist and, uh, it. You know, I can't because one of my, my legs is bent up around my head. <laughs> <laughs> you've been playing Final Assault. Yeah, and I'm going. That's what's <laughs> made it do it. Yeah. I think we should go. Let's not. I, I can't. Let's it. not hold up. Can't if around, if you're still it. listening, well done. We're going <laughs> to go and we will see you again next week. As ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And we have been Final Ass. And you can listen to us again next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. 
We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.